To everyone else, it was just a normal, regular day in the city. Nothing extraordinary going on, except for one tiny little thing that uh, caught them all off guard. There was a building that had caught on fire! No! Now, thankfully, everyone was able to evacuate properly thanks to the very clear roadways, but they still had to put out that fire. And in this case, there was only one person who could save the day. I'm fired up! This is me, Marshall, of the Paw Patrol, ready to take out that fire and save the day! Bark, bark! Bark! Ah, Robo-Dog! I'm ready for the mission! Excellent work, Marshall. Now, before we begin, though, please recite the rules that we have for all fire disclaimers. Absolutely! No fire pup would dare take on a fire without knowing the three major rules of any major fire. Firstly, the following fire may contain language that is not suitable for younger pups. Listener discretion is highly advised. Yes, I agree. That's a bit of a weird rule, but it is one that we have to enforce when we are taking out those fires. Secondly, the following fire will definitely contain spoilers for any and all fires being discussed. So if you have not seen the show Fire Force up through the first season, then you should probably go check it out before listening to this podcast, because we're probably going to spoil everything. You should definitely check it out. It's a really good show. And thirdly, the following opinions expressed are those of the individual firefighters and may not necessarily reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Everybody, fire up your engines. It's time to take out that fire. Oh, Marshall! Everyone stay safely back as we put out that fire. This looks like a job for Water Cannon! Yay! Woohoo! Woohoo! Go Marshall! Woohoo! Just doing my job. Paw Patrol is on a roll! Daddy. Oh, um, so, sorry. Here you go. Mm. On with the show! Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a group of very brave soldiers get in there, fight some fiery demons, and maybe, just maybe, get into some questionably timed fan service. I'm your Captain Megan, and with me I have my Lieutenant Amon. What? Oh, I'm sorry, a bunch of mascots just gave me a balloon, and one of them was an old man for some reason. Someone's throwing him in a we tree have... now. <laughs> <laughs> They're really getting him up there, wow. Anyways, really hi. We have <laughs> hi, Amon. We have Officer Noah. So, I'd like to be introduced by my good friends, the Prodigy here. If I was in World War II, they'd call me Spitfire! Hello. Not the Prodigy song I thought you were going to reference. What did, okay. What did you think? I, what, <laughs> did you think I was going to sing Smack My Bitch Up? No. Firestarter, Noah. Wait. Firestarter. Okay, that makes more sense. But you got to admit. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you made... 
a prodigy reference for a Fire Force episode that was not Firestarter. Keith Flint is looking Noah, down I'm from heaven. And he is so embarrassed. It was the first song that came to mind. All right, fine. Go, we'll, <laughs> how about we re we'll do this in three years? We'll redo this for the second half of the show, and then we'll do it with the Prodigy's other fire song to start with. Will that work? Okay. I don't know why Close we waste three years. And then we also, and then we also have because every fire temple needs a needs a brother. We have brother roots. Wee woo wee woo wee woo. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know. So tonight we are here to talk about there, a show about magical fire, uh, about firefighters and stuff. So, <laughs> thank you, Patrick Star, Officer Patrick Star, everybody. Uh, why don't I just get into a really quick plot summary of this? It says, 30 years prior, Earth suffered a calamity known as the Great World Blaze, wherein fire fires from mass spontaneous human combustions killed off the world's population. Certain humans developed pyrokinetic abilities during the subsequent event and became known as the Burnish. Wait, this is just the fucking plot of Fromare. Oh, I'm so, so sorry, guys. I read the wrong fire <laughs> plot summary. You know what? what? Let me get the right one. It happens. Alright, so it says, each episode follows a similar pattern of feature and reoccurring events. Episodes normally open with a scene depicting dogs going about their everyday lives, often playing Wait with dog minute. toys Wait or engaging in activities Wait. in the local playground. Uh, Ryder, a 10-year-old boy, is advised of a problem by receiving a call or wit by witnessing a situation himself. His most frequent caller is an accident-prone marine biologist, Captain Turbo, who knows who knows much about the adventure-based wildlife. Ryder always alerts the dog via blinking pet tags. Wait, this is just the fucking plot to Paw Patrol. <laughs> and it's not... <laughs> I'm so bewildered. Okay, for for those of you who don't have children, <laughs> a Paw Patrol. The joke Paw Patrol. That I didn't expect to go you down. You didn't expect her to reference dog Power Rangers in this episode. You know, I Noah, I can honestly say, say that I did. Stop it, Promare. That's all. She went the full. She went all there. She went the full. Megan, have you ever actually seen an episode of Paw Patrol? Absolutely not. Okay, how dare you? I then? don't have kids. How dare you? I, I've seen I say this literally. Our, <coughs> our group chat for this episode has been the firefighter dog from Paw Patrol since, like, July. And, and, no, you gotta read what the actual the chat Chase group was called. Chase is on the case. <laughs> The actual fat the, the actual chat group is called Sexy Cal uh, Firefighters Calendar Shoot with the cartoon Dalmatian picture to go with it. <laughs> That's right, furries. Yiff yiff. No, no, come on. <laughs> oh no. Canada does way better than this. <laughs> no, they does fucking it? don't. Does it? <laughs> Maybe not. Really. Anyway, here's the real plot. <laughs> <of fires>. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop. Where is that? Where's that anyway. nun? We need we need medics. We need medics to bring Roots back to life. Lots <laughs> home. Oh god. <laughs>
<laughs> the Great Disaster is an event Sorry. that happened 250 years before year 198, when the world was mostly consumed in flame with many nations being destroyed and most of the planet rendered uninhabitable. The survivors took refuge in the Tokyo Empire, which remained mostly stable uh, despite stable during the period, despite Japan losing some of its landmass. The Tokyo Emperor uh, Raffles uh, I established the faith of the Holy Soul Temple, and uh, as it and Hajima Industries developed a perpetual thermal energy plant, Amaterasu, I've played Okami to power the country. In year 198 of the Tokyo Solar Era, special fire brigades called the Fire Force fight the increasing amount of spontaneous human combustions, where human beings are turned into infernos called infernals. While the infernals are first-generation cases of spontaneous human combustion with more powerful horn variants known as demons, later generations possess pyrokinesis while retaining human form. The fire force uh, was formed by combining people with these powers from the Holy Soul Temple. The Tokyo Armed Forces and the Fire Defense Agency and is composed by eight independent companies. Shinra Kusakabe is a third-generation pyrokinetic youth given the nickname the Devil's Footprints for his ability to ignite his feet at will. He joins the special fire force company 8, which feature other pyrokinetics who are dedicating themselves to end the infernal attacks for good, while investigating companies 1 through 7 for potential corruption in their rank. Shinra begins to learn that his, bro uh, his younger brother's abducting during the fire that killed their mother 12 years ago was caused by a mysterious doomsday cult that is behind infernal attacks called the Evangelist. Company 8 and their allies oppose the White Cloaks and the Knights of the Ashen Flame, who seek certain individuals like Shinra and his brother to enact a scheme to repair the Great Disaster. So tonight we'll be talking about the first 12, the first 14 episodes of Fire Force, as that is where the opening changed from a pretty good opening to a metal song with a really shitty animation behind it. Uh, so because I mean, of this, uh, okay. I, because we are going to have to Okay, debatable Mayday kind of sucks. Uh, fight me. Um, anyway. Tonight, because we have a lot of characters to go through in not that much time, and I've already literally spent ten minutes trying to explain <laughs> three different shows and nearly killing Roots in the process, we will not be doing predictions for this. Let's just jump straight into our director and writer. The director for Fire Force is one Mr. Kyle Phillips, and its writer up through episode 14 is Aaron Dismuke. Kyle Phillips, you will know for his directing work on such things as The Ancient Megas Bride, Dance with Devils, and Fairy Tale: The Final Season. Aaron Dismuke, you will know for his writing on the Season 3 and the Season 3 Part 1 and Season 3 Part 2 of Attack on Titan. He also did the, the scripts for series such as In Another World with My Smartphone. I did not look up these things before I went, and I'm a dumbass. Uh, and he also did the scripts for Wise Man's Grandchild. So tonight's order is going, we're going to start off with Noah, then do Amon, then Roots, and myself. So Noah, kick it off. Well, um, <clears throat> uh, let's just say that I am fired up for this episode, because uh, this is a shonen series that hits a lot of the beats that I think, uh, if any of our listeners have heard any other Shonen shows have been dubbed recently, like your fairy tales or your uh, uh, food wars or uh, really any uh, show that was adapted from Shonen Jump. This is probably going to suit you exactly the same because, and I mean this in the best way possible, uh, this is a very basic dub. This is, um, I was looking for quirks or eccentricities in the direction or the writing, and there really aren't any to my ears. It's very basic, very standard, 
uh, dubbing, which means it's high quality. It's it's an invisible dub is the best way I can describe it, which means that you could listen to it uh, in, with the animation and not ever know that there was a Japanese uh, audio track to go with it. So uh, Kyle directs all the characters to sound unique from each other. They um, exposit their dialogue when they're... There's like a, a scene in episode three where it's like a static image of a, a building being burnt down while they're just expositing great amounts of information about the company that hires them or their purpose or how they suspect that there's evil people within their company who are actually intentionally making people catch on fire. And that scene is directed perfectly well. Uh, Writing-wise, is also pretty basic, too. I, I don't have anything good or bad to say about it. I, I guess good is that it's perfectly um, up to standards for what we expect for this content, which it's a weird show. It's kind of a weird mix of, of superhero shonen stuff, uh, community service firefighters, and a lot of Catholic imagery. Like, there is so much Catholic imagery in this. I half expected Madonna to show up in a cone bra partway through. Oh, boy. Fuck! <laughs> look, look, um, <clears throat> there's absolutely nothing wrong with fetishizing Catholic imagery like that. But I don't know how comfortable I feel with it being done from the Japanese, from, from a culture that's kind of inherited the Catholic uh, idiom in their, uh, in their shows. Like, I've seen nuns being portrayed in a lot of different anime before, and I don't know if Japan really knows what nuns are supposed to do. Like, in some shows, nuns are, like, giving confessionals, or in shows like this, they're more like mages where they've got super prey powers, like praying powers. Uh, you know, I perfectly, uh, I like, I like that. Like, where else are you going to find this weird, uh, sh this weird mashup? I like the, I, I totally missed out in Sunday school when they told us about this story. So, um, for, for balancing that, the weird mix of ideas that I've got going on here, the characters are pretty trope heavy. And so the writing matches their tropes pretty well. No one is off. No one is weirdly directed. The crazy bad guys are very crazy and the tough uh, superhero daddies that Megan has the hots for are also perfectly hell yeah perfectly step on me daddyable. So I've I'm honestly I, I wish I had more cr critical things to say, but it's a this is a good solid standard dub. All right, awesome, Amon. Yeah, uh, this is a good dub. I like this a lot. Um, I think as Noah's saying, this is a it, it, this dub feels very straightforward, but more in the sense that it just feels really like professional and well together in a way the material demands it. Um, this is I don't want to say Fire Force is an uncomplicated show because I I I, find, I actually find it very interesting. I feel like it's it's not entirely standard shonen, um, but of course it's also from the guy whose last series had a minor character who was a wholesale Twin Peaks reference. And also, one of the joke episodes quotes the beginning of Mulholland Drive for some unfathomable reason that I still don't understand. There's a Mulholland Drive joke in Soul Eater? One of the fucking Excalibur episodes, he's, like, driving and he's passing a bunch of signs, and that's the opening to Mulholland Drive. I saw it in college. That's right! It was really that's bizarre, nice. just because, like... It was just sort of like, I'm not mad, but I don't <laughs> know why I'm watching this. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot to mention that the guy who created Fire Force also created Soul Eater. I did not Whoops. know that. That is how. Look, I am. I am waiting for bated breath for where the David Lynch reference is going to show up in this show. It's going to be something when it comes. I can tell. 
I think the Tomoki literally looks just, like a color swapped Maka. Look, 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 Iman. Um, I think we've already seen what the Twin Peaks are, but uh, they're get out. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the stage, you suck! Bill Cooper would be ashamed of you! Why are you booing me? I'm right! Shut up, Animal! Shut up, Animal! Noah! Noah, how did you not know this was by the same guy who made Soul Eater? Tamaki literally looks like Maka with black hair! I didn't know. It's been a long time since I've seen Soul Eater. It just wasn't in my head. But I'm looking at Tomoki's setup right now, or her design right now, and okay, fine, yes, I see it now. Maybe it was, anyway. was kind of hard to see it because of the cat ears. But yeah, I feel like at the very last episode of Fire Force, we're going to get a slow pan out from a rose bush as you hear. <laughs> she wore blue velvet. Oh, heck no. They, they, I don't care if Bobby Vinton's been dead for years. There's no way they'd be able to afford that license. At least I think he's dead. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm Amon sure. gets that reference. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just uh, the corner. You see a little animated Dennis Hopper dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I mean, at I least in heaven everything is fine. God damn it! <laughs> what have I done? But there, there haven't it. been any, like, come on, for real, There, ha I haven't seen any David Lynch ep um, references yet, have you? In Fire Force. I, 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 I don't think so, but that doesn't mean they're not hanging around. There's a whole episode of Twin Peaks I haven't seen. Who knows what references I'm missing? There's all two seasons of Twin Peaks I haven't seen now. Maybe, maybe the oh. last episode will be a girl in bed counting her ABCs. God damn it! <laughs> Now that we've thoroughly derailed the episode multiple times. F is for fire! <laughs> F, is I... for fire. <coughs> F is for fire that burns down the whole town. U is for uranium. Bomb. Bombs. Bombs. N is for, for no, no survivors. survivors. <laughs> Learn your plankton! Anyway, I'm on uh, back on track. We have fun here. Uh, I feel like this is a really this is a really good, well-rounded dub. Uh, I think it really suits the material very well. Uh, I don't think it I don't think it feels the need to get like kind of flashy, um, mm -hmm. except when it does, because it occurs to me. Um, I think as we mentioned, I can't remember if we mentioned this on recording or not. Uh, there are characters in here who have like very specific speech patterns that they talk in, and I yes. do want to highlight. I do want to highlight how well I think Aaron has. I'm, I have watched very little of this in the Japanese, so I'm not sure. How much like one to one this is as far as like how it's supposed to work in the Japanese, but you can you can you can tell like Aaron has put the effort into like capture you know how how this is supposed to sound distinct, how it is supposed to sound on the ear, uh, and I think like I think like he he's done a very good job like creating this, and I think Kyle's done a very good job uh, recreating um, that in the uh, for direction. Um, like I, I, I grew kind of nose saying like this feels kind of like an invisible dub in the sense that I, I, I sit there and I enjoy it and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the mechanics behind it even when you get those characters who like you know talk and rhyme or whatever um, which I think is a credit to them um, there's something to be said about you know doing good work that does not even draw attention to itself because it's so sort of you know it feels so of the whole of the show in general yeah um, I've probably spoke I've taken enough time as it is so Wait, okay, we're like out of the more music references throughout the episode. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. 
Alright, so I suppose it's my turn now. I mean, is there any other Roots of Justice that are in this room that would like to come forward? I don't know, is there? <laughs> Fuck. What, what does a pug sound like? <laughs> the imposter is behind <laughs> you! There is no pugs in anyway. Paw Patrol. Not yet, anyway. The call is, no, the call is coming from inside the house. Oh, wait, no, I... No, no, he's a bulldog. No, the, the, the construction dog is a bulldog, not a pug. Okay, I think there's, like, a rip-off Paw Patrol show on Disney that has two pugs. There yeah, is. it's, like, it's pugs, not, but it is, yeah. It's not a Paw anyway. Patrol rip. It's, I don't know how to try it. I, I <laughs> Back to your roots. <laughs> okay. Don't get me started. Okay, we're good. I like we're how good. this episode has devolved into the mythos of Paw Patrol. <laughs> we're all adults here. How do they afford the equipment? Shut up and don't think about it. Okay. It's the a holy kid show. The holy soul temple pays for the pop. They're, all just... <laughs> They're funded by the Catholic Fire Church. <laughs> okay. Okay. We good? I mean, all dogs do go to heaven. Shut up. <laughs> go, Roots. Alright. Okay. Need to find my train of thought again. Alright. We're good. Um... Gonna start with the script writing because it is very punchy. It is very energetic. Um, also, cultural references in Japan and the last arc that we're covering for this episode. Um, all of that was left intact, and I really like it. Um, that that doesn't happen very often in Funimation dubs, and I really appreciate it. And if you, other Funimation dub directors other than Kyle Phillips are watching this like you can go ahead and keep that stuff in we're, we're gonna get it it's okay you mean anyway you mean like the the proud Japanese cultural tradition the, of punching each other hey yeah, wailing like, on another like, dude is a very proud Japanese tradition don't you be a smart ass like the the chanting and whatnot right yeah when they're when they're doing like the funerary rites like that was I didn't expect that to remain authentic, and I really appreciated it. Um, the show itself is very well cast. It's um, very just. Um, it's very diverse in terms of um, distinctive voice casting. It's um, like it's it's a Kyle Phillips dub. It's it's solid and like uh, like Amon and Noah were saying, it is kind of seamless and that is impressive especially considering this is a dub that I believe as of right now is still going day and date with the Japanese release. It is. Dang. It's, like it is like what 16, 17 episodes in by now? 17 episodes. I think they're I think they're doing episode 18 comes out this week I think. Yep. As of the time okay. of this recording. Shut up I'm not checking my app. Keep going. <laughs> But yes, Chris and uh, Tabitha. Yeah, it's, did. It, it's a few episodes further than what we're covering, but yeah. Mm -hmm. um, still going, still keeping up with the Japanese release. And that's yeah. really impressive given how solid this dub has been so far. Yeah, it is episode 18 this week. All right. Um, like I said, it's it's punchy, it's poppy, it's bantery. Um Characters play off of each other very well. It almost feels like the actors are in the same booth when they are in fact not, because you can't do that in a Funimation booth. So, solid stuff all around. Thumbs up. 
That's a lie. Kyle can fit a fucking mechanical spider in there to scare people. <laughs> Damn it. I forgot don't, about that. Don't think I don't watch a behind-the-scenes video, Kyle. Uh, so I guess I'll go. One of the things I really do want to... Uh, one of the things I also do want to put out, and I think this is a big consideration to why uh, this show has gone on as long as the same day and date simuldub, is this is also a co-production that Funimation's doing. Mm-hmm. Um. And their other co-pro that went for 24 episodes this season, uh, Fruits Basket went the entire, like, the whole nine yards. Um, And despite the delays that Fire Force has had, and I do need to bring this up, and I mean this in the utmost sincerity, um, Fire Force does have edits to its ending theme after the um, horrific arson at Kyoto Animation. Um, The show is still going on. The dub is still being done. Uh, so just know if you if you watch the show and, and, and you go back and you watch the simulcast version, like, for the first two episodes, the endings, most notably, the ending is going to be different because they did edit it due to the horrific attack. And our condolences still do go out to the victims that were lost and who have survived that, that awful attack. Um, I just did want to bring that up for if anybody wants to know a bit more of the production history of the show. Um, moving on to the actual dub itself, uh, this is just a really solid dub. I don't think... I, I've barely ever watched any clips of the show in in the sub, but I honestly don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I think all the performances in the show are, are absolutely strong. I think that this, this dub has a couple of typecastings, but I also think it goes out of its way to be a little bit more creative. Um, we're not talking about all of these characters, but some of the things, because we're only talking about up to episode 14 for the point of this recording, just because that's where an arc ends. And I didn't want to record, like, an episode where we were, like, going to go halfway through into another arc. Like, I didn't want to do, like, injustice to those certain characters. But I do want to bring up, like, there are just some really cool, like, creative casting. Like, uh, Kristen McGuire as you, who is a character who's a little boy. And I don't think I've ever heard Kristen McGuire do a little boy voice. Uh, Jason Lebrecht pops up, era Elizabeth Maxwell. Um, I don't know if anybody else goes on YouTube and has ever heard of a series called So This Is Basically by a guy named Jello Apocalypse. Uh, he's in. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Brent, yeah. So this is basically Fire Emblem. It's literally an attack on me as a person. Um, he's in this as a Infernal for a couple of episodes. Uh, there's just a lot of really, really interesting casting in this. Um, I also think that Aaron Dismuke's writing is really well put together. There are a lot of points of Fire Force that are very emotional, very kind of deep. I do think that the show has something to say about the difference between religion and evangelism. Because I don't think anybody in this show is ever f- shamed for having faith. They are shamed for being extremists. There's one character, but... Uh, okay, Iris gets shamed a little bit, but only by one character who we're not supposed to be siding with anyways. And it's not really she's shamed for having faith. It's shame because the other character is just really damaged by what happened to the both of them. Yeah, that's that's something I want to bring up with that specific character because I actually do think that's like one of my favorite parts of Fire Force. Mm-hmm. But Fire Force is also a show that has a lot of problems with it. And I do think that the dub has the dub and its crew really do push past to put 
on a seamless performance despite the show's big failings, which we'll get to when we get to a certain character. Because holy shit, does Fire Force have a reputation? Uh, but that yeah. being said... We, we will tear into said, those issues. Oh, oh god. we Oh, I fucking will. Um, but I really do think that... I don't know if I want to put this on the best of the year for the dubbies. I do think there are some really good standout performances from actors... I think put into situations that I don't think I've ever expected them to be in. Um, but it's going to be really hard because, like, there's been a lot of really, really good dubs this year. And it's mm-hmm. just really hard to say where Fire Force falls into. But it is legitimately very solid. And there is not a lot of flaw in the dub. With that being said, are we ready to move on to our first set of characters? Let's do it. Fire away. God damn it. Oh, God, I'm going to get burned on all these puns tonight. <laughs> group one, I oh. will just say... <laughs> group one can only be considered... Are we the baddies? <laughs> your, your accent's not quite British enough for that, Megan. I can't do a British accent. I'll just sound like an Australian, which is just an upside-down brunk. <laughs> an upside-down, drunker British person. Speak, speaking of okay. um, hot, hot land. First up. So I'm going to do this in two sets. We're going to do them all together. The first quote-unquote baddie is Joker. A a man who appears when, for the first time, when Shinra is doing the Rookie Fire Soldier game, saying that there may be more to his past and that his little brother, Sho, may actually be alive the entire time. Joker is kind of this character who is, he's not really doing bad things, but he's also not doing good things. He's kind of leaving Shinra this breadcrumb trail to lead to the evangelist in which we're going to talk about three of them there is arrow her name is exactly what it says on the tin she fires fire arrows there is the haran who is her giant kind of assistant and tag team partner they work in a flawless duo and then there's yona yona is a crazy plastic surgeon with fire who likes art this isn't art. It's oh not no, me. he's what's his face from Bioshock. God damn it, we're all fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> is he the the main villain from Bioshock, the first one? It's not the main villain, but there is one dude who's basically a mad plastic surgeon. <laughs> oh, uh, that guy. And uh, yeah, he's a real that fucking piece of work. That's what he is. <laughs> all I know is, all I know is, I imagine him at one point screaming, "It's art from the Iron Giant." <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which at one point Noah posted a picture of Shinra flying off and it says, You stay, I go. <laughs> no. That's exactly what he was doing. He was flying into the air to you say, That song. scene hurts, Noah. It was supposed- you say, I go, Superman. You are- Shinra, you Super- are who you choose to be. be. Who does he want to be throughout the whole show? Anyway. Playing Joker is Sunny Strait. Playing Arrow is Tabitha Ray. Playing Haran is Patrick Seitz. And playing Yona is Corey Phillips. Sunny Strait, you all should know by now, but he is also known as Usopp in One Piece, Maze Hughes in the, Maze Hughes in the Full Metal Alchemist franchise. And he's. Aww, uh, now that hurts. <laughs> you, Mustang, you stay. I go. <laughs> super bad. He's like, he's like, he says to the, has a sad now. He says to the bad guy, he's like, oh, I've got a wife and kids to go home to. Why would you say that? And then two seconds That's how later, you know he's going to fucking die. That's how you know he's going to kick the bucket. Some poor sap's going to listen to this episode expecting a fun time about firefighters and is just going to get real emotionally destroyed. 
We're not even at the worst part yet. It's true. Uh, <laughs> None of these, one of them has kind of a tragic ending, but I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're, you're, you're fucking good. You're, you're fine over there, man. Oh, God, where the hell was I? Uh, Shit, Sunny Straight rolls. Yeah. I think I accidentally spelled one of these wrong. He's also Koro Sensei in Assassination Classroom. Tabitha Ray, you'll know his character such as. <laughs> Nagisa, you stay! I go! <laughs> Superman! <laughs> Tabitha Ray, you'll know its characters such as Suzuka Hashizaka in Boogie Pop and others, Hotaru Shirode in Dagashi Kashi, and Yayoi Endo in Seraph of the End. Patrick Seitz, you'll know at Funimation roles such as Agni in Black Butler, Senji Kiyomasa in Dead Man Wonderland, and Conrad in Radiant. Corey Phillips, uh, the the only like named character I could find is Yu Hatori in Stand My Heroes Piece of Truth, aka the boy the the drugs and boys bonanza. It's like the brass bonanza from the Hartford Whalers, but with ten times more ecstasy. <laughs> if you could just imagine hockey players on ecstasy, congratulations. That's a horrifying concept. Those poor hockey oh, players. Boy. <laughs> Get into the the cube of shame, you knife-footed ice gremlin. <laughs> anyway, no clue. Please go ahead. He, he was such a good teacher, and he just wanted the best for his students. And why couldn't the world let him be? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still on about Koro-sensei from Assassination Classroom. Anyways, um, uh, these guys, though, however, these four people, I don't feel bad about at all. Because, yeah, every one of them are... Now, so, one thing we should point out about the, the, the fire bending in the show, it's not called fire bending, but it's basically fire bending, is that everyone has their own unique way of controlling their fire. Like you were saying, Arrow shoots out... Uh, she uses, like, a bow and arrow, Madoka style, and shoots fire arrows that are very accurate and can go very, very far. Um, and I really like that Tabitha... Um, well, first of all, I just like that Tabitha's uh, voice acting again, because uh, for the past couple, probably the past year, I've heard her mostly as a director, as an ADR director on shows like Surrey Dury Children and a couple other things. Um, I, I haven't really heard her act in anything since uh, uh, Kado, The Right Answer, so I'm really glad she's back in this. And it's a really different kind wow, of... Wow, one whole person who remembers Kado, The Right Answer. She was the best part of that show, the best character in that Hashtag show. Hashtag, I remember Kado. I... I'm glad you did, because no one... <laughs> Telway doesn't remember it. Oh, no, they don't. Ouch. But, um... Telway doesn't remember anything that doesn't make the money. Ouch. It's sad, but true. It is very... I'm sorry, but yeah, Kado was not a moneymaker. Um, Telway is the Mr. Krabs of Japan. <laughs> I like money! Money! So tell us, why did you decide to build a second fairy tale? I'm sorry, why did you decide to build a second One Piece next to... <laughs> why did... Um, I couldn't think of the show. Why did you? Go ahead. Tell go. me, Toei Animation. Why did you build a second Dragon Ball? There, right next to the money. first Dragon Ball. <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of money. So, Tabitha Ray. Not sure how those connect. Um, so, I'm used to her crazier voices. I'm used to her, like, in um, Dagashi Kashi or in um, Kado the Right Answer. So, this is a very different kind of role. Maybe she's done shows where she's used this cool, collected, didactic, and conniving voice before, but I haven't heard it, so it was very nice to hear. And I'm going to praise the uh, the sound mixing a lot in this episode, which I know mostly came from the Japanese with the explosion effects and everything, but 
the English did a really good job too because one of the things that Arrow's quirk is is that she's got like a hood on for most of her time. So her voice has to come off like it's muffled, which can sometimes come off as distracting if it's not mixed very well. It can just sound like, you know, like this, like you're just not picking up the audio very well. But they did a really good job with Tabitha's performance. And um, yeah, for the couple of episodes she's in, she's cool, very um, kind of out of body because it's like she's talking to herself most of the time, even there's people right in front of her. So good job for Tabitha for uh, this character that uh, at past episode 14, I don't know if she's going to show up more, but I hope she does. Um, one character who will not show up past this, spoiler alert, is uh, Haran because he he kind of uh, goes the big explosion uh, at the end of episode 14. But Patrick's uh, coverage of him is uh, is pretty good. It's uh, it's a strong voice. Uh, it's not as tough as some other Patrick Seitz roles. Like it's not uh, what's like a really good like it's not a Joe Star kind of uh, low. Or, sorry, Dio kind of low. But it is. I was about <laughs> to say, get it right. I, I was trying to say. <laughs> I, I was saying Joe Joe's bizarre adventure low, and then I went to the character. I'm like, but wait, no, he doesn't play Joe. You know the character. I mean, I mean, the bottom I mean, half of him is. I mean, I mean. He's got the dick of a Joestar. <laughs> yeah, but. You're not wrong. Yeah, but that doesn't really have anything to do with the voice now, does it? I mean, Ma Joseph's testicles could be a little lower. Megan, 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 come on. Bonfires for Jesus. Bonfires for Jesus. Let's bring it back in here. But yeah, for the, the brief bits that Patrick gets, it's, it's, a, it's a good strong voice that's. Uh, it's not too, like, <laughs> kind of evil, which is good because the guy's supposed to be mysterious. He's, because uh, he, he uh, again, spoiler, he eats one of the fire bugs that basically turns people into. Oh, God, into that fucking girls. stop. Fuck, I hated that scene. Oh, the, the sound mixing on that again, like, the, the sounds of him crunching and swallowing that thing was like, oh, boy. So, yeah, for, for having a good, uh, deep voice that was also kind of mysterious, that Patrick did a good job on that. Um... Sonny Strait also did a good job as Joker. I'm used to his uh, crazier voices also, but usually they're like higher pitched voices. Um, for a good chunk of Jokers, um, it was a little bit lower than I'm used to for Sonny's. And I know he's got a lot of range, so it's not it, like it surprised me. And I do love it when Sonny gets his ham on. And Joker, in quite a few scenes, definitely gets his ham on. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what his, uh, his MO is quite yet, so I... Uh, uh, Megan, you've been watching up to what's come out so far, right? No, oh, okay. I've been pissed behind. Well, okay, then. To be continued, we'll find out if we uh, see more of Joker in the show. But the one character I want to give the most props to is definitely Corey Phillips. And I'm surprised that we haven't really heard him in very much other things, because he does gloriously well as Yona. He, he puts on this foppish, laughing uh, voice that is really just really delicious to listen to like obviously he was given good content because that's what the original japanese did but he could have botched it like he could have come off as unconvincingly evil or saturday morning cartoon evil and no he came off more as like a universal monster movie evil with a twinge of psychotic in there and it's, it's just very fun to listen to I, I would implore you people to go to the episode that he's in and listen to that um, I do think that uh, he's got, you know, he's kind of like an art reject, and uh, would people just love the artist? Just let him make art. Not not with your face. Not firebending your face, but for the, the kind that's more beneficial to society, because some people could use some good plastic surgery. Um, 
th those are the four baddies. And yes, I, I don't think there's a question mark there. They are they are the baddies. Speaking of I'm speaking on? of baddies, I'm on. Hey, thanks, Noah. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking back to uh, our My Hero Academia episode when I had you do a villain voice for the disclaimer. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Sorry. God, that was like two years ago, wasn't it? It is. Anyways, uh, where to start? Uh, let's start with Joker because I love Sunny Straight. He's great. He's always a treat when he shows up in dubs, and I like I like him. Do I? I enjoy him a lot in this role. He gets to be he gets to be hammy. He gets to be very sinister, which. I mean, I think as you see from uh, the cast list that Megan was reading, Sunny plays a lot of, if not heroic, at least joyful characters, depending on how you count Koro Sensei. Um, <laughs> Smiling through his tears. Note I, note, I haven't actually seen the end of Assassination Classroom, and I'm pretty sure I know what happens, but I'm not 100% sure, so. Oh, oh he's fine. It's a journey I need to finish. He's totally fine. Oh, that's good. He's totally no. fine. Nothing bad ever happens. Oh, I was really worried about that. He, he gets to go to an island that's full of hot octopus women, and he gets to read all the books he wants. Oh, that's nice. He got sent to a farm upstate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was tentacles all He can run around upstate. all he wants. Way <laughs> upstate. Garcensei. <laughs> it was um. tentacles all along. Sonny's great in this role. He's a delight. I can't wait to watch more of it so he can show up more. Um, I enjoyed Tabitha's Arrow. Uh, how was it? Um, it's a good, good, like good, good, strong kind of you know a little bit of menace in her voice. I especially liked um, when when she's first introduced, where she just um, fucking one shots. What's his name? Oh yeah, Rekka. yeah, just fucking one shots Rekka from like three buildings away. She's just like, I got him, sir. He's not a problem anymore. It's like. Ooh, you're Japanese sniper. You're a mean one. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Corey. All right, so audience, you're gonna have to find out how some of the sausage is made. Amon can't count and thought the uh, halfway point was episode twelve, not fourteen. So I haven't oh, actually no. seen the episode that Corey shows up. In. Oh, okay. Oh no. But I, but I want to now because he sounds great. He, he is. He's uh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you ever seen Full Metal Alchemist? Yeah. yeah you remember the episode with Barry the Chopper? Oh no! Well, um, that, um, well, now I have to watch this. <laughs> I'm Barry, the plastic surgeon. Oh, um, so I will, I will, I will, I will, I will defer to everyone else on Corey, although I'm sure he does an excellent job. This character sounds delightful. Um, and I can, I can read. Uh, Patrick, I enjoy, I like Patrick as Haran. He, he brings that great Patrick Sites rumble. Um, and it's nice to see him here, because um, this wouldn't be recent anymore, but a while back it was some anniversary for Space Dandy, and uh, Patrick Seitz did a little Twitter thread about how his kind of complicated feelings about being involved with that, because simuldubs are a big thing now, but it also means his ability as a California-based actor to be based in things that aren't dubbed in California is really reduced these days. Um, but obviously Funimation have done, uh, put a lot of effort into making people outside of their immediate geographical talent pool be able to be in Simuldub. So whenever he shows up one of these things, I'm always happy. Because uh, I like Patrick. He's one of my favorite actors. It's always nice to hear him in things. Uh, so yeah, these people are all terrible. <laughs> and uh, bless them for it, because if you have boring villains, your show gets real dull real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rich Justice. All right. Um... So I guess we'll start with Arrow and Tabitha Ray. She did a really great job playing sort of the I'm here to do a job kind of character. Like, just 
I, I don't want that to sound like an insult, because it's, like, I, I really like that type of villain where it's just like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm gonna kill you, but this is just kind of a day job for me. <laughs> I'll, like, tomorrow I'll be somewhere else, and I'll, I'll kill another guy. It's, it's not a very big deal for me. And I, um, I thought Tabitha Ray did a really great job in getting that aura across. Um, Patrick Seitz is Haron. Um, I don't know if this was brought up yet, but I really like the, um, the vocal filtering work that they do at the very end of his arc when he eats the bugs and becomes the demon. Oh, yeah. Where, where they, like, double his voice up and deepen it, and it's really, like, nasty and intimidating, and, um... Unfortunately, there's not a lot to Haran's character, and there really isn't going to be, because he's, um... <laughs> spoiler alert, kind of dead. He'll get better. Oops. There's but, a lot of um, Catholic imagery in this show. He might get better. <laughs> <laughs> and if he catches fire, what does that mean? A witch! Lord. Um, but yeah, he... He basically plays the strong man, which is, you know, he he does it up quite a bit, and he's he's good at it. So, like, what can I say? Uh, thankfully, not a thing he's typecast as, but you know, he he gets by with what he does. Um, Corey Phillips was kind of the surprise of this arc. Uh, it's not a name I am familiar with, and uh, according to Megan, he is like. Very recent as a voice actor for Funimation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is um, I I really liked it. He was very very scary as um, as Yona. Um, really gave sort of that mad scientist menace to the character. And while I don't have much to say because he's probably going to be a little more prominent in the episodes coming up. Um, he had a really great just villain moment when he's first introduced and he's doing the the fire plastic surgery on the guy and his just and his face just kind of goes scanners on him. <laughs> oh my. He's just like, "Oh, oh god, I broke him." Next. I wonder if they could turn his face into John Travolta. God damn it! <laughs> I refuse to believe that. John Travolta or Nicolas Cage? Yes. It's not a movie. There's no way that it is. Yeah. I've seen it. It's great. Noah. L look, weird group Noah. hallucinations don't count. Oh my Listen god. To me. Nicolas Cage groups a nun in that movie. <laughs> oh, oh. I just remembered that. <laughs> but Noah, what? listen to the sound of my voice. Face Off was a movie. It existed. It was directed by John Woo. It's real. Look, we're friends, Roots, so I want to support your facet your fantasies, okay? So if you say it exists, I will believe that it exists. Good. I'll bring so a copy you... next time you're at a con with me. I'm going um, to make a whole movie. So... So, like, uh, we, we're making a lot of movie references here. Let's move on to the straight story. Wait what? for it. 
As the only person here who has probably seen that movie, I applaud your reference. What? There's like visible question marks over Megan and Mike. It's, what if I, it's what a if, David what Lynch if? movie he did for Disney, where it's about a what? man who drives a lawnmower to, to, to talk to a friend who is dying, or, or it's, it's his it's brother a, it's, or a, it's, a, it's, a, it's his brother who has had a health scare. I thought that was the water boy. No, this is much better than the water boy. <laughs> What's it called? The Straight Story. Doctor Insano shows no mercy. The Straight Story. Okay. I'm... Anyway, Roots of Justice, please fucking go. <laughs> but yeah, bringing that joke full circle here. Anyway, um, I I really liked it, and I also have kind of a funny story about it too. Um, so I was on Megan's Discord when the episode where he debuted showed up. And um, Kyle Phillips did not announce who played Joker at first. So a lot of the folks in our Discord were basically speculating on who it was. And it, there were answer, there were guesses that were just all over the place. And I'm just like, yeah, I watched Daka. This is Sunny Straight. And nobody believed me. And it was yeah. hilarious, because I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm just like, fucking hey, I, I mentioned the vocal filter thing in the Aka episode. I know what Sonny Straight sounds like when he goes low. This is Sonny Straight. And, um, yeah, turned out to be him. But I like that, I like this register on him. It's just intimidating enough, and it's smoky, it's... Oh, what what is the reference I'm going for here? Um, Deep Throat. The... the From the yeah, X-Files? <clears throat> or do you mean the real human? Hmm. Yes. Um, like there, I feel like there was like a film adaptation of the, Wait, from like, all the, the Nixon Watergate scandal, and there was. <laughs> or... How many references can we get in? Is is he like okay? So was Joker calling up the Fire Force? People oh, you know what? It might have been X Files. Now that I think about it, I think I might have been making a reference to the Deep Throat of X Files because it. Like, it was that kind of mechanically deep voice. Right. And, it like, it, it was great. I I especially liked when he showed up at, like, the main Fire Force HQ to basically, like, spill a bunch more breadcrumbs for, for Shinra to get led to this mysterious organization. We don't know what Joker is planning, but... He's obviously doing something with the, um... The white... Oh, God, what did they... They're the white... Oh, God, what is... The Infernals. The white... There we go. The White Clod, the yeah. White... Thank you, the White Yeah. Clod. I was gonna say the White Hoods, but that that's an entirely different evil group. Yes. But, yeah, um, where he's, where he's basically just dropping all the breadcrumbs to lead, um... To lead Shinra and... Like, he obviously has something to do with the Infernals. Um, working with a character that I don't think we're talking about tonight. Uh, oh, Ian Sinclair is licked. Yeah. Because he only has, like, he has such little dialogue. Yeah. 
I do want to mention him here, though, because he, like, he has very little dialogue, but he's really fun. So, yeah. Good performances all around. Okay, so the straight story is an actual movie that existed. So is Face Off. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, for one, welcome uh, Southern Overlord Sonny Straight giving us cryptic clues about kidnapped children. <laughs> um, I think he's a lot of fun. I really hope that this character shows up. I really enjoy the, the way that they put this character. Kyle has chosen to get, kind of give this character an accent. Um... Just because it's just very, very fun. And I don't think it ever is really distracting. Um, I also really enjoy Tabitha Ray as Arrow. I, I am really unfamiliar with her range. She is in... She is not in a lot of things I've watched. Uh, let's, be, uh, let's be real. I think the only thing that she's been a major presence in that I watched was... She's a, a in a really big fairy tale filler arc that I've seen. Um, that's my biggest recollection of Tabitha Ray, and I feel really bad because she's in, in stuff that I should. And okay, look, she okay, she is uh, Yayoi and Seraph, who is one of Gurren's like little buddies. And I have to actually look up this character because it's been like a hot minute since I've actually like watched Sarah for the end surprisingly um what well, you say we put this podcast on hold and we just all go watch Sarah for a couple of hours and then we'll come back and we'll finish this okay no she is she is this character that gets fucking killed um, wait don't they all she gets at the beginning I mean she gets turned into storage war Hitler's like <laughs> a storage she gets turned into storage container Hitler's juice box um I cannot describe Kureta Haragi as anything other than storage container Hitler. I am I am not going to ask for an explanation, but I want you to know it's really rude of you to just drop that metaphor on us and leave. I I'm just saying, when a man lures an entire army to an airfield base with a cryptic storage container and like 90% of them die, what do you expect me to call him? Fair. Storage container Kevorkian? That's even worse. Uh, but she's a ton. She's really cool and really creepy as Arrow without being hammy and over the top. Uh, Patrick Seitz is Patrick Seitz in this. I think he makes uh, Haran solid. His growling demon noises are a lot of kind of hurtful fun to listen to because you're just like, oh god, this poor man. And Corey Phillips as Yona, who might as well be giving Brandon McGinnis's Gen for a run for his money as cryptic science guy this season, because he is like, all over the place and he is such a hoot uh, to listen to. He is hammy, he is over the top, but it's also a controlled measure and I absolutely adore it. So with that out of the way, let's move on to group two, which which is just Company One. Yay. Company One is the ultra religious. They're like sending your kid to Catholic Bible camp. The crew. Everyone's a, a friar. Every girl there is a nun. That is expressly why Tamaki is a nun. Because she got sent to Company One. Which is weird, because Company we, we never see her in the nun getup. 
she has like a nun nurse getup when she's in company one before it gets changed. Well, she doesn't really have much of uh, any outfit. Y you know what? Shut <laughs> up. Um, just because you're right. Anyways. Anyway, Company One, uh, Shinra and, the, and Arthur get sent to investigate them because they think that uh, Company One's hiding something. Because Leonard Burns may have been the kid, the guy who saved Shinra, but went from the fire that killed his mom and took his brother. But he's really dodging the question. So. Company One is led by Leonard Burns, but it also has uh, two other important characters, Rekka Hoshimiya, a hot-blooded fire soldier who might be a little crazy, and Kareem Foham, who is, well, he's the party bard. He, he's one horny guy. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I regret zero. <sighs> <laughs> Roots, I, I'm sorry. You have full right to kill me next time we see each other. Oh, Suplex City, my guy. I mean, Kareem's got a pretty big horn to toot, and it's a little frosty when the white stuff comes out. He's got to learn to let it go. <laughs> let it go, let it go. No Frozen 2 From spoilers inside in the comments. My I swear to God, if any of you put that in the, in the comments, we will not be able to do anything about it. But please don't. Let it go, you know, let it go. I, I rang the sousaphone. It is kind of a sousaphone. <laughs> we were arguing about bothers him. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> playing Leonard... Playing Leonard Burns is Phil Parson. Playing Rekka Hoshimiya is Kellen Goff. And playing uh, Kareem Fulham is Rico Fajardo. Phil Parsons, you'll know for his roles as Klaus von Reinhardt's in Blood Blockade Battlefront and Blood Blockade Battlefront and Beyond. Shin uh, Shiro Sanada in Space Star Blazer Space Battleship Yamato 2199 and 2202. And only to hurt one person and one person in this room who I date, he is also King Delancey in Enride. Yeah. Megan, welcome to the Suplex City, courtesy of Roots of Justice. <laughs> Don't hit me, baby. I'm not gonna suplex my girlfriend, are you? Maybe she likes it. <laughs> I might be into that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did not expect to open that closet. <laughs> you remember this podcast had dignity? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't, but it's fun to think about, isn't it? It, it was a dignified back when Lilac did it all by herself and didn't have us tainting the good reputation. Yeah. I mean, she would really like if Andrew took her to Suplex City. <laughs> I pay to see him try to do that. <laughs> don't, okay, don't, wait. don't give her any ideas. W working on the Nutcracker recently has given her plenty of ideas. <laughs> this isn't Tokyo Ghoul Re at all. What is also let's all let's all be clear between the two of them we all know Andrew would rather be be suplexed by Lilac because he'd be really into it. And there's You're nothing not wrong. wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, people. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. So, speaking of nothing wrong with what has Kellen Jeff done? <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Holy shit! That segment went so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen is characters such as Overhaul in My Hero Academia, Morio Shigeta in March Comes in Like a Lion, and the Sea Lion Bartender in Africa Salary Man. 
<laughs> Rico, rapping Rico Fajardo is Tar, uh, Tar Kodake, an absolute zero. <laughs> Nasuya, Kirishima for free, dive to the future, and Toy Kuji in Saren Somni. Um, <laughs> Noah, you now need to do your thoughts for the segment completely in white boy rap. All right, let's do this now. <laughs> So, Leonard Bernstein, not his name, but I'm calling him that because that's what Leonard Bern makes me think of. Phil Parsons is really cool. He's got a typical voice that's really low. I wish that man would step on me because he's got the patch on his eye, and I think that I'm gonna die when people who do rap hear this song. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I am impressed you kept it up that long. I, I did music for a while. I can't ad-lib at all, but I can at least keep a beat. That was that was easily on par from that one rap that Breck does on that one uh, Danger Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what was I? Yep. Um, Phil Parsons. <laughs> okay, so this whole group... like, um, So first one to say about Phil and Rico is that they don't get as much of the spotlight because uh, they're... Their scenes are kind of clouded in mystery for a good chunk of it. Um, like, we know Phil, uh, we know Leonard Burns is hiding something. We don't quite know what it is yet, but because he's, like, got, uh, Phil gives him this uh, intimidating boss voice, which is good, like, it fits with the character design, we don't quite get an idea about what it is that he's hiding, uh, especially when he starts up by saying, uh, you know, I, I've been fighting fires for ten years now, you can't possibly expect me to remember that one fire from eight years ago that killed your mom and brother. Which, of course, means he knows exactly what uh, Shinra is talking about. Uh, but yeah, Phil does a good job on that. Rico, likewise, um, has the weirdest uh, vocal tick of the entire uh, character. Yeah, he does. That's the one that we were talking yeah. about. So it, all it is is that he takes a word that uh, he takes a word and repeats it multiple times in the sentence. Um, I wish I'd written down an, an example of it, but it's like, um, you're an ass and the asses of an ass are you asses. Is something yeah, like yeah that. It's, it's very it's very annoying it's uh I, I don't know if uh it was like that in the japanese i'm gonna assume it was because why would you make that up for the english but to give credit to rico for having that handicap of a speaking pattern which does at least make him a memorable character like i did not forget him uh rico does a good job uh it's very basic though um it, it doesn't have anything uh, funny or quirky about like the the actual voice itself it's just kind of a very basic uh, baritone voice, um, but he does get to redeem himself uh, near the end of his arc because he, uh, quote-unquote, sides with the good guys. And uh, for all the jokes they make about him being a horny ice guy, uh, that, that is actually a very cool power. Um, his power of being able to basically freeze fire is distinct, and I, I don't know why he has to use the instrument for it, but honestly, that's why we love it. It's him. sound conduction. It's, like, actually explained. It's, like, a actual thing that you can do. Oh, oh that's right. It's You're right, yeah. Which is, again, that's what you go to anime for. You go to it for these crazy uh, ideas like people with tape superpowers or people with ice trombone superpowers. Like, that that's cool. Like, I'm totally for that. Speaking of having cool powers, so Rekka is uh, the secret guy who's, uh, well, um, he's the... You ever see Evangelion? He, he's basic... Yes. He's basically the nerve people. He's basically Sile who wants to return all of humanity to the primordial fire, as it were. And um, he has to remain cool and collected for his first couple episodes, which is 
uh, hides his uh, demeanor, and Kellen does a good job with that. And then he gets to have a lot more fun when we find when he snaps, like he he completely shows his true colors, and he gets deliciously despicable. He is hamming it up, but it's to a non-distracting degree. There are characters, uh, there's actors who can't ham up their performance without coming off as distracting. And going back to the, this is an invisible dub, uh, Kellen does a good job at being uh, believably despicable. Um, so yeah, so I, I feel like this could have gone terribly wrong. This could have gone way over the top, but he did a very good job. And um, I'm glad that he uh, bit, the, bit the arrow at the end because uh, yeah, he needed to go down for what he was doing to the kids. Um, Aman! Rako Hoshimiya, fuck them kids. Yeah, pretty much. Kids get it. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole year of uh, children uh, not being treated well by anyone. VRV, VRV character tag, kids avoiding being murdered. <laughs> yes. I, don't I still can't up. believe that's a thing. What a world. I wonder if it would be better to be burned alive or eaten by aliens. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Child flambe, though. Shishka baby. You know, I knew we were probably going to go to hell for this episode, but we're really just, <laughs> we're just tacking on the years. <laughs> Look, I've seen I've seen uh, Pirates of the Caribbean too. I can just gamble for years. I don't I don't have that much faith in my luck. <laughs> you wanted my opinions, I think. Yeah, yeah. Is that how Kentucky, that please. All right. Don't go any further. Kentucky Fried Toddler. Don't send me to double hell. I really enjoyed Phil Parsons as uh, Leonard Burns. Um, he's got, he's got, he's got a good, like, very, you know, he's very authoritative, he knows what's going on, uh, you know, he's, he's good repartee with everybody, uh, but he, like, there's no point out, he's, he, he clearly knows more than he's willing to tell anybody, and whether that's just because he's keeping secrets, or say, I don't know, he's just really evil, we're not sure yet, but, you know, I'm sure we'll find out eventually. Um, he's fun, I'd like to see him in more things, which I'm sure will, I'd like to see his character more, which I'm sure will happen as I continue to watch the show. Uh, Rico's, uh, delightful. He has, uh, that, he has the ridiculous speech pattern. I think he does a really good job of nailing that and making it sound pretty natural, at least as, as much as he can between what he has to say and the lip flaps he has to work with. Um, also, his, his character's just fun. He carries around a big, big trumpet and shoots ice at people and wears headphones, and who doesn't like that? It's not a trumpet. Uh, if we're for another, if if we weren't for it, it look look. All right, look. It's a generic brass instrument. That's that's true. That's true. That shoots ice. <laughs> I I want to just get that right because there there are people out there who need to be educated about trumpets. Some band geeks gotta come fucking come with us with it's, their fucking trombone it's a big, gun. It's a big it's a it's a big metal tube. Well, actually, this is an eighteenth century uh, megalophone. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then, and then it's, it's like, go back to listening to Griffin, nerd. Oh! <laughs> oh, God, that was a deep cut. It's mayonnaise and instrument! God, that was bad, I'm on. I, um, I applaud you, but that was bad. <laughs> I, mean, sure I, I feel called out. You once do. <laughs> Alright, for me, Griffin is a band who use medieval instruments in their, in their output. What are you thinking of? 
I'm sorry, I've been laughing for the last ten minutes about fucking shish <laughs> That's fair. Um, anyways. Where do you stick the stick? Um. Oh. <laughs> uh, depends on, uh, what the, the technique you want to use. If you'll, if you'll oh, reference you. this diagram here. <laughs> Today okay. on Hannibal Lecter's okay. cooking class. So Rico's a lot of fun. But we have to talk. I, I feel like Kellen. <laughs> Kellen. So as we find out later on, Rekka has some opinions about <laughs> things <laughs> that are bad. What are you talking about? Like, the, like uh, you know, you know, we're gonna he's gonna he's gonna find his his, his little he's gonna put firebugs in people until one of them turns into something more I stable. I would like to ex can I explain Rekka Hoshimiya's entire motivation in song? Is it gonna get us sure. in trouble? This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm gonna let it. <laughs> I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Fuck them kids. God, we're all gonna let it shine, let it shine. Oh God, too bright, too bright, too bright. Turn it down. Uh, I'm going to hell. Wait, I just gotta we're let it. All out. going to hell, Megan. Let's be frank here. Hey guys, I, I, I just got a letter from the Catholic Church. We've been excommunicated. Oh good, I've already been there. Nice try. <laughs> nice try, Benedict. <laughs> nice try, Benedict Cumberpope. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's Jude Law who's playing the Pope. <laughs> from, from the young Pope, TM. <laughs> anyway, back on track. We're, uh, you were talking right. I was. I, I was like talking. You were at Kellen. I forgot it was my turn. Um, so Kel Kellen's really. He's, he's really fun as Rekka. Rekka's super fiery and hot headed. He's like. He's a cool dude. He's a real. He's a real cool dude, and people like him because he's a cool dude. <laughs> Until it turns out that he's a monster. And wow, Kellen really. And Kellen really gets to have fun when Rick is just ranting about all the shit. It's like he ne he needs to find his. I don't even remember what specifically he's saying. Just the impression of it. Just the, he's gonna he's gonna put bugs in people until he finds his fire god, I guess. And he is really into it. Um, Kellen just he he gets wonderfully horrifyingly over the top. Uh, like. <coughs> <coughs> Uh, like Fire, Fire Force can have some pretty like you know good dramatic moments when it wants to, uh, but that's that, that couple episodes was probably the most upsetting the show has gotten so far. That's, yeah. uh, and Kel, Kellen's Kellen's a big part of that. Like he really sells just how far gone this character is, uh, and for I, I think for that alone he is he's probably the standout of this section for me. Like excellent work, sir. I'm I'm not really sorry you got a bullet through the chest at the end. You, you had that coming. <laughs> Shot through the heart. And you're too late. <laughs> you give the Fire Force a bad name. Do I get a I respect for you for that joke. You're welcome. Can you? Could you say that as far as recording this podcast that we're halfway there? Oh, God damn it. Yes. Living on a shishu baby <laughs> prayer. <laughs> Uh, Roots, I'm I'm putting my prayer. We're on all you. going to hell. We're all going to hell. 
I don't. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Jude Law can't touch me now. Okay, I'm so I should probably. So I should probably start I'm talking so opinions here. I'm fucking dying. Just so that we're not giving the express elevator down. <laughs> All right. So um, I I like Phil Persons Leonard Burns. Um, he's tough. He's strong. He's also mysterious. Uh, he knows a lot more than he's letting on, and we don't know why he's not letting on, but he's not letting on for some reason. Because we've got a and Phil Parsons says a good job conveying that. Um, Rico Fajardo as uh, Kareem, um, really great. Um, I feel like his the unique speech impediment of his character would flows a little bitter. Flows a little better in Japanese, but I I kind of stopped watching the subtitle version after a couple episodes because Dub's actually pretty solid. Um, so I honestly don't know. But he um, he has a great energy and pep to him. He's he's plucky. He's absolutely wonderful to listen to. Um, and what can I say? He. Oh god, um, you know he, he he's good. Um, Doctor Who, Doctor Doom will toot as he pleases. <laughs> did Rekahoshimiya steal? Did Rekahoshimiya steal forty cakes? No, but that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I I fucking can't with this episode. <laughs> I'm fucking dying. <laughs> okay. Um, now, was it Kellen Jeff or Kellen Goff? Goff. Is, okay. okay. Um, he is... Um, he's really great as Rekka. Uh, like Rico, in the very beginning of his story arc, he has to like project a very peppy energy to him. And he's just the crazy cool, the crazy cool guy who can't do wrong. Hey, you kids can trust me. Come on over. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give you these bugs. You know, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Oh, crap. He's on fire. Oh, well, you get. Damn it, Timmy Clunch. Eh, well, to make an omelet, you got to break eggs. Next. All right, Susie, let's go. But holy shit, his entire fight with, um... Shinra? Uh, no, 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 before that, um... Tamaki? Uh, Tamaki. Oh, Tamaki. That was less of a fight and more of a beating. That, that was a, yeah, yeah. True. That was a, please, daddy, don't hit Like, me. she tried and then basically had to basically... Send a signal that oh god I'm in trouble Shinya help me and then the the fight with Shinya also like he, Kellen really gets into it like holy shit um I'm not particularly familiar with him right now because I I've been meaning to get to My Hero Academia season four but I just haven't had the time yet 
Uh, and, like, I can't actually physically watch March Comes In Like a Lion because it sets my anxiety so far off the charts. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I remember who the character was now. I was trying to remember who Morio was. But, um... So this is really... I'm familiar with the name Kellen Goff, but I'm not familiar with his voice acting. So this was really spectacular. Uh, so, big props and thumbs up to all three of the actors in this group. Solid work. Okay, let's see if I can keep myself composed, because I'm fucking nah. tired. I think we've fully given up this point. For everyone listening right now... I can't get past Shishka, baby! <laughs> How do you think they were preparing the kids in Promise Neverland? I mean, over the grill. Yeah, just you know, take the brains, put Please. them on a. No. <laughs> okay, okay. I think we're done. <laughs> Not talk about eating children. Please, it's a little too far gone. Holy shit. We're not Jonathan Swift now. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Rekahoshi Mia comes to the evangelist with the modest proposal. <laughs> I don't. Good night! That is the. I will never top that moment! <laughs> Nothing in my life will ever top that joke! God damn it! Yeah, I don't think, uh. I don't think he knew it was a, supposed to be a parody. <laughs> Rekahoshi Mia sees a modest proposal as a tutorial, not a parody. The satire was lost upon him. Please give me a minute. He, he really should be fired from his job. <coughs> I mean, Arrow took care of that, but holy God. <laughs> This episode is going to be so hard to pick a best of moment out of it. This is a train wreck and I'm here for it. The best right. clip from Fire Force is the episode to Fire Force. It's so <laughs> Megan, would, would you, would you like, call this a dumpster fire? <laughs> I fucking love this episode. I don't care what anyone says. I don't know I don't know if it's going to be helpful to anybody who works on it, but goddamn, will you be entertained. Um, okay, so... Anyway, timing back okay. in. Uh, Phil Parsons as Leonard Burns is exactly what I expected. He's kind of big, intimidating, and hiding things. He is very clearly much a man dodging the questions like... Uh, Elliot Sadler from Law and Order SVU's on his trail. <laughs> um, listen here, I'm from a house full of New Yorkers. Law and Order is just like a part of our life. Um, so is it not so much a TV show as it is the 11 o'clock news? Yes. Dun dun. I'm sort of picturing how the... sports games work in Massachusetts. They're just there all the time. Yeah, but Law and Order has less racism. This is true. <laughs> Anyway. I don't know, that, that Irish accent from that one character was a little racist. <laughs> bong bong. Dun dun. Kareem Flum. Uh, I think it was, we also, like, I have a mildly funny story that we all found out that, uh, I can't, okay, wait, I can't say that. Whip. Rip. Um, I can't say that. So, 
Uh, Rico as Kareem is really interesting because he basically sounds like he has a stick shoved up his ass. Like, even the way that Kareem looks, he looks like he has a stick permanently lodged up his butthole. Like, he has, like, a face, a face that only his music, his mother, a actual sousaphone, could love. Um, he is the angriest party bard. But I also think that Rico brings a lot to the character. He doesn't play him like as if he was talking like this the whole time and gritting his teeth as he talked. Um, he brings a lot of emotionality because I think when Rekka's downfall does hurt him because Rekka is his friend and he was hiding this from him. But he also has to deal with Arthur and Shinra's sneaky bullshit and I think his working around the lip flaps uh, in turn with Aaron's writing and the engineer came out really well. Because Rico's got to speak and double speak because he has to talk like this. And he's, he know uh, I'm the dude playing a dude dressed like another dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. One moment. more movie reference for the podcast. Um, <laughs> but with less racism. Um, and then Kellen as Rekka is such a fucking fire sp- spitfire. Just, oh my stars! Because his name has stars in it. Star in it. Because I, I know what Hoshi means. Um, uh, I get just it the now. fact that. He also has stars in his eyes. Yeah, that's uh, that's another quirk a lot. And I, I think I love the description. Sorry, go ahead. Everybody in the show with weird. A bunch of people with weird eyes in the show. Uh, also, I would very much like to point out that Andrew pointed this out to me that if. Uh, you look where he got shot right through the heart and the light goes through his heart, like, in the sunset. But, uh, I think Rico, I think Kareem and Rico really describe the character best as, um, was he a hot-blooded guy who became a son, uh, a son of a bitch? Or was he a son of a bitch that was just hot-blooded? Mm-hmm. Because Kareem, uh, sorry, Rekka never stops being excited and, like, happy and even when he's yelling and demoralizing poor Tamaki, he's always sounding like, Come on, you gotta be the best at this! Why won't you take the fall? You're supposed to be the best at taking the fall! And he's just so upbeat, despite the fact that he is going batshit. And that's really something to admire from an actor who's becoming a bit more household known. Because Kellen has done vocal work before this. He was in Five Nights at Freddy's, guys. Oh, that's right. He is. Hmm. So he, so, Five Nights at Company so One, got, becoming in front of He's got an experience with playing uh, nice-looking characters who terrify young children. Yes. I don't actually know what yes, happens he does. in Five Nights at Freddy. You get murdered by an animatronic. A lot. Again? Yes. How many times have they made that game? There's like uh, eight of them now, I think. Just, just enjoy. <laughs> A lot. A lot. <laughs> that Chuck E. Cheese MMO uh, but Yeah, no, really I, I genuinely enjoyed... Sorry. Funimation, when are you going to release that Chuck E. Cheese DVD, man? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know the... Be nice. I need to know the origins. I need to know the origins of DJ Sex Billionaire. Yeah, this episode's a loss. That is someone's real alias for. <laughs> that is a, no, that is an actual alias for somebody who works on this show. 
I am not kidding. Anyway, I think we're good here. Time to move on from the worst company to the fucking best! Oh, yeah. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Company 7, the home, Akakusa, the best district, the home, to the man, the Dilt, okay. the legends. <laughs> we... Look, okay, so... Uh, we hold have... on, before going further. Water for everyone. Water bottle for you, water for you, water for you, and for the audience, because we're about to get very, very thirsty. Specifically, Megan is. Shinon Benimaru, the captain of company. Designated the Splash Zone. God. (laughs) Call me Shamu because I'm about to dive the fuck in. If you are in the Splash Zone, expect to get wet. Shamu, motherfucker, look at all these (laughs) dilfs. No, keep going, keep going. This is priceless. Shinmon Benimaru, the guy who looks like my boyfriend, uh, is the cap- of captain of Company 7. He doesn't like the Jap- he does not like the Imperial Japanese. He's a proto-nationalist. He has his wonderful life partner, I mean Lieutenant <laughs> Sagiyama Konro, a man who can't really use- he's a third generation who- Also, by the way, uh, Benimaru is a compound fire soldier, so he's a second and third generation, meaning that he can ignite his own flames and then control them at will. Uh- Sagiyama Konro, a.k.a. Benny Maru's life partner and lieutenant, I mean what, um, is a former third-generation fire, uh, fire soldier who overused his power and his body is starting to turn to ash. And then there are their lovely gremlin daughters, Hikage and Hinata, who are basically Yakuza foxes and will beat your bitch ass. That's their character, you can't convince me otherwise. Playing Benny Maru is Aaron Roberts. Playing Konro is Jeff Plunk. Playing Hikage is Megan McLean. And playing Hinata is Jennifer Alex. Aaron Roberts will know his characters such as Barbaro in 91 Days, Uda in Tokyo Ghoul, and Hishikere Hasabe in Token Rambu Hanamaru. Jeff Plunk will know his Racer in Fairy Tale, Basil in Dragon Ball Super, and Delvkin Bro Left Eye in One Piece. Megan McLean you'll know as the Sword Maiden in Goblin Slayer, Kazuza Otori, aka the world's most aggressive little lesbian. And Kono Ototomare and Rachel Ray Gardner in Angels of Death. Jennifer Alex, you'll know his characters such as Sei uh, Chaibashira in Classroom of the Elite, uh, Akemi Kinoshita in King's Game the Animation, and both Constance and Hannah in Little Witch Academia. <laughs> Noah, have you gotten your poncho on? It's been uh, it's been secured pretty tightly. Do you have your water wingies? I, I've got my I've got my water poncho and my super soaker. So I'm ready for this. Okay. Please keep your super soaker in your pants. I, I would, but um. Go ahead. <laughs> don't don't be mad at me if I have to pump it a little bit later. Anyways, so these characters. <laughs> what am I talking about? This okay. So Company Seven uh, gets uh, arguably the best arc of the 14 episodes we've seen so far. It composes a couple of episodes in their hometown that they patrol, where they. Uh, have to deal with kind of an outbreak of the evangelists uh, t- actively turning people into um, infernals. Infernals. That's what it's actually called. And in doing that, I'm going to talk about Aaron Roberts as uh, Benny Maru because it's kind of like he's worn down. And it's not just from the character design, but his voice really sounds like he's been worn down by uh, what he's gone through in his life. But he's still got a twinge of youth in the uh, 
yeah, a bit of twinge of use in his voice to kind of indicate that he's not entirely all gone. And we can tell from the way that he act actively defends the entire city that he's still got a lot of enthusiasm and real compassion for the city that he's defending. Um, and I do like how Aaron Roberts kind of, uh, his voice kind of warbles a bit when he's uh, unsure about what to do because he's conflicting with becoming a leader or uh, keeping Kentaro as the leader because he doesn't feel confident enough in himself. So Aaron Roberts has a lot of fun with this and yes, gives him a very good daddy voice. Um, not the best daddy in the whole show, person, my opinion, but enough so that he's really going to, uh, yes, make a lot of people very happy. Keep that poncho on. Uh, Brad's uh, portrayal of Kantaro is probably the most cartoonish of the non-villains because he gives him a very raspy and frayed old guy voice with a kind of a slurred speech pattern to indicate, you know, his age is... Um, you know, he's getting up there in years, and he's also decaying. He's also turning to dust, and that's very sad. But he does it very well, and the two of them work off of each other very well. I know Megan jokes that they're light partners to each other. I always viewed it more as, like, a teacher-mentor. They're married! Oh, they are? They're married! Fuck you, fight me! No! They're buried in my mind! Oh, I, I'm sorry, I... If there was a detail I missed, I didn't want to be offensive about it. Because I didn't view it as... No, they're married in my mind. Okay, alright, they're married in your mind. I did! In Megan's mind. <laughs> no, but I see what you're going for. Yeah, they, I viewed it more as a mentor-teacher relationship. And that, they, again, they work off each other very well. Um, as far as uh, Hikage and Hinata, I, I know there's a difference between the two. Because when you hear the two of them talk side by side, one after the other, one is higher pitched than the other. So Megan and Jennifer are distinct from each other. But because the character designs are identical, and because their speech patterns are very similar to each other, and they're high pitched in their voices, I can't really tell the difference between which is which. There's a, there's a part of an episode where one of them gets kidnapped and um, is very pissed off about not getting candy that we see. So... But I can't, again, I can't tell which one is which exactly. Um, but I will give full credit because I've seen this uh, evil twins thing done before. And I didn't like it so much um, in uh, one of the shows that I was thinking of. Uh, there's this show called Holic that you may have heard of. It's this clamp series that came out a long time ago. And in it, there's... Small independent, small independent clamp series. Yeah. Wait, is it really? No, I fucking love All right, Hollick. Just I, I like it too. I haven't seen the Subasa Chronicle that ties into it. I love Hollick. We'll do that episode one day in the future. <laughs> I mean, anime-wise, they don't really tie into each other because one anime likes to tell, ex likes to mention that one exists and the other one doesn't. Okay. I, mean, I know there, there's like background <laughs> references in the anime, but that's about it. But uh, what was I getting at here? But yeah, so in a show like uh, in Hollick, there's a uh, uh, evil twin characters who uh, harmonize with each other, but they're, all, they're way too squeaky in that one. Uh, this does much better. Fire Force does it much better because the two characters here are high-pitched, but they also harmonize really well with each other, and they're not, and they're, they're not grating on the ears. And they are absolutely despicable because, yes, they insult people, they demand candy, or else they will murder you. They kind of remind me of... Um, there's, there's a show called Miraculous Ladybug where there's one character has these little sisters who turn into superhero super villains called the Zappities, who cause a lot of turmoil and distress for the world. Those two are less evil than these two are. 
So good job, Megan and Jennifer. And that, that's all I got to say about Cummins. I'd actually like to point this out because I, go. I looked this up. I think in the subs, Hinata and Higage are played by the same. That person. wouldn't surprise me because usually the Japanese do that if they got identical twin characters. Like uh, I think in, um, wasn't it um, in Yuri on Ice? Um, Axel Lutz and Loop were all played by the same voice actress in Japanese. I think they all are played by the same. Yeah, I think they are. And like the one time that it actually like pissed me off that they were played by the same person is that both Black, White, and the King of Despair are all played by the same person in the Japanese version of Blood Black K Battlefront. It's not. Oh yeah. And like, listen here. I don't. I don't get to like shit on. I don't. I don't want to like be rude to uh, Rie Kugamiya, but not a good thing. Yeah. Hikage and Hinata are played uh, by one person in the Japanese. Yeah. So I, I, and I just don't think that's that's, yeah. They're they're separate beings. They, Please let them be separate voices. Yeah. So I, I like what Megan did. Are they? That's debatable. Well, anyways, Aman, um, what, what, are you thirsty? No. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. All right. Well, then take the microphone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, where should I start? Um, I really enjoyed uh, Megan and Jennifer as Higake and Hinata. Um, I thought they did a good job of blending with each other. Um, they, they they did the thing that I think is usually good for doing twins in a lot of uh, shows like this, which they do they do sound similar. You definitely buy like, oh, these two are you know twins, they're siblings. Um, but there's a load of distinction. They're not quite completely identical. Even if I'm, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to tell which is which just by listening to them. Um, but they don't sound just like carbon. They don't sound like carbon copies of each other, which I always think is a sort of just a good directing directing decision for these kinds of characters. Uh, and they are insidiously fun. It's uh, when um, when uh, Benny Maru and um, Company Eight's captain, whose name escapes me for because I, my memory is terrible, are having their big fight, and they're just kind of sitting... Uh, Obi. Thank you, Obi. Uh, when they're having their fight, and they're just kind of sitting on the car, like, just color commentating, and it's like, aw, you're... You seem vaguely amoral, but you're fun. Uh, so they're fun. They're, they're a delight. Um, Jeff Blunk, I, I really liked as uh, Conroe. Uh, he, he, he was very good at, at presenting this, like... I, like the I, the character is not supposed to be that old, but obviously he is very weary for good reason. Uh, and I thought Jeff good did a great job of like presenting that in his voice, but also like not not to the point where it overwhelmed anything. Like you could still, you know, everything else came through. You could be optimistic. You could be, you know, uh, you know, upset, what have you. Um, but I always thought, I always thought that you, you know his voice, you know his voice always did a good job of matching that weird eye pattern he has that makes him look kind of dead. <laughs> He does. I, I feel like he he was uh, uh he lost the game of tic tac toe. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and as, and as I mentioned, I I didn't uh, because of my own ineptness, I didn't get a chance to finish this arc. Um, but I liked a lot of his performance where I saw it. It was uh, it was just really strong and it fit the character very well. Let's talk about Benny Maru. When Benny Maru first showed up, I thought I was going to get Majima from the Yakuza games. What I actually got was a uh, feudal Japanese firefighter eraser head. Yeah, he's just he's just he's just real tired, and he's trying to do a good job, but he's real tired. Let the poor um, man sleep. Clearly, we do two children um, stuff hanging on his shoulders. <coughs> no, never. 
Um, but Aaron, Aaron, Aaron is really good as him. Um, I think he gets a lot. I guess he gets a lot of the the both the lightness of the character because uh, you know I see him walking around town. And he's like, "You, I told you, I don't like sweets. I don't want them." <laughs> and but he takes them anyways. He's like, "Come drinking with me," and he's like, "I'm busy, but maybe." And you know, it's like everybody likes him. Um, and he can't have that lightness to him, but then there, there are heavier moments, uh, and I think he does a good job of showing the kind of the, how much weight is sitting on this guy, uh, and how much he's you know, always cognizant of that, and clearly, like, thinks a lot about, like, am I actually fit for this position that I'm in? Um, and Aaron does a good job of, um, I think just putting that into the character. Uh, this feels, it's just a, it's a good, strong performance. Uh, and I, when I when I get the chance, I, I want to finish this arc and see how this resolves. Because uh, like I'm I'm enjoying this character arc, I'm enjoying Aaron's performance, and I want to see where it's going. So good stuff all around. All right, so I guess it's my turn then. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't have much to say about the twins. Uh, they both sound distinct enough from one of one another, and even then, I had a hard time telling them apart. And for twin characters, that's a good thing. Uh, they're both little shit gremlins, and I love them. <laughs> um, I would adopt them. I would oh, not take responsibility no. for their actions, though. But they seem fun. <laughs> they would toss you in a tree. <laughs> I mean, they probably would, but... I'm sorry, did Root say he wants our future children to be Hinata and Higake? Congratulations, Maybe. Megan, you're a mother. Congratulations, it's Gremlins. <laughs> wait, 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 let me, let me check. No lies detected. <laughs> oh. um, Jeff Plunk is a name I am, you know, I'm actually not familiar with it. And he does a really great job, so I would really love to hear him in more stuff. Funimation, take note. Uh, he does a really good job with sort of the the weary protector of the town, and yeah, really good stuff. Um, get some really great moments with Benny Morrow. Yeah. Um, Aaron Roberts. Uh, when I first got to the Company 7 story arc, I was about to yell into the group chat, Bullshit, this is not Aaron Roberts. <laughs> Cause like it, it sounded like him, but I couldn't put it together that it was him, and that's great. I love it when actors are able to do that. Um, he is very likely a front runner for my voice actor, Black Magic. Um, this is a great, spectacular performance. Um. What I really like about it is toward the end of the arc where he's just like, oh, yeah. You know how we're going to solve this crisis? Everybody kick each other's ass. Uh, that'll figure out who the imposter is, because we're all tough. The residents of this town are all tough as nails. Any imposter isn't going to be able to beat that. So beat each other up. And it's great. And they do. And it's fun. This arc is fun. These actors are fun. These performances are fun. This is fun! Good stuff all around. 
thumbs up. The two girls just like punch each other and knock each other out at the same time. It's like Yay! It's like Porco Rosso all over again. <coughs> oh, the whole God. the whole Don't make me sad. No, but like the good ending of Porco <laughs> Rosso. Except nobody gets money. All I know is that the whole like Mr. Krabs, why, would you like to explain to us why you built another Hikike next to the first one? <laughs> I like, I like gremlins. <laughs> oh, there we go. I think we found our twin peaks. <laughs> Those two like money. That they do. God. No, they're babies! No, no, just you know, twins that... No, be nice. We're digging yeah. a hole. <laughs> uh, so let's start with Megan and Rachel. Uh, Megan and Jennifer... <laughs> They're both great. I think that they are. Shut up! It's my birthday, goddammit! I don't think we actually said that on recording. <laughs> We're going to fucking hell. Oh, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. We haven't. Fuck. <laughs> Surprise! We're actually recording this on my birthday. birthday. Oh, gee, Billy, how come you get two had... birthday episodes? <laughs> Because she's special. Because my mommy loves me. <laughs> your mom. Uh, yeah, I'm special. Wait, who's I've, your mommy? I've got the special ticket to hell. Who's your mommy? And what does she do? Uh, well. <laughs> well, you see, she works for a theater company in New Jersey. <laughs> 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 anyway. Uh, no, I love Megan and Jennifer as the twins. They are fucking hysterical. They play off each other so well. They're, they sound so alike with beat, but you can also tell that they're other people. And I think that's a trick. That's the thing that I really like that they did in the dub, because sometimes it's just like, I want to be able to tell the two characters apart, even though you're not supposed to. Um, also, B, their fucking fire forms are the best. They're little Yakuza foxes. It's a shame we only see that like once, right? That's the it best. It really is. Yeah, sadly it was like only once yeah. and as a gag. Yeah, they look. Yeah, that's the thing. It wasn't even for the big. Fu yeah, they're they're like. Yeah, it's only when uh, Hikage comes out and it's like you got kidnapped and some like creepy little old man dressed as you, and it's like these guys didn't give me any of the candy I wanted. You want to beat them up? Okay. <laughs> and they get their asses. The. Yeah. Not, not, not. Let's beat up these kidnappers. Um, Jeff Plunk as Conroe was. Go ahead. Yeah, just beat up your own kidnappers. Just be, be like Canada and Hikage. Beat up your own kidnappers. Um, I really like uh, Jeff Plunk as Conroe. I think he gets a lot of the drama down because there are a lot of points where uh, this episode, like, I actually think that the Akakusa arc is, like, the best arc so far in the show uh, up to what I've watched. It, it, he has this, like, older kind of melancholic feel to him. But he also feels like he is still trying to be in the thick of things and live his life. He's just wanting the best for his best friend who, like, God, it's so weird to explain it. He's like Mufasa if he didn't die. He just wants the best for Simba. And Simba's being stubborn. Sometimes you gotta nearly turn yourself into ash against a demon. And I think Jeff Plunk really gets a lot of that down. I, I'm with Roots. I want to hear more of this dude in stuff. But let's talk about Aaron Roberts, who I think is legitimately, like, one of the two best performances in the show. Like, 
he himself has been on Twitter saying that the Benny Maru stuff is some of the proudest work he's done in a long time. And you can absolutely hear it in his voice. He is tired. Like, he is confused. Like, this is a guy who goes through a lot in, like, four episodes. Like, oh god, is this, like... Like, he doesn't want to deal with the politics of the Fire Force. Like, his town's under attack. He's got to become the leader of this town, and he nails it. And I think the fight he has against Obi is just fucking chilling. Where he is on the warpath to kill them. And literally, if it wasn't for the fact that Obi literally just is powered by the sheer force of man... (laughs) Like, he he would have won. He wipes the fucking floor with them. And just, I think, though, my favorite delivery of any line comes at the very end of the arc where he's drunk. And Shinra's like, oh my god, is this what I look like when I smile? Holy fuck. And he's just like, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and it's just that laughing, like, <laughs> sleep with one eye open tonight, bitch baby. Uh, I'd like to point out that Benny Maru is best boy and he is the most attractive Fire Force character. I'm sorry, honey. But I also say this because when when I explained my attraction to him, uh, Amon is just like, so he looks like a racer head and your boyfriend. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I've got a type. I like good boys. But I, I gotta pull up that exact line. There's just a deafening silence, so I'm gonna shut the fuck up. No, no, I, what was that here? It was. I said a door! Well. <laughs> Aw, thank you, it baby. It was very adorable. Let's. Let's go. Let's go for. Like, okay, look. Benny Maru would probably not. Would, like, take care of me in the most begrudgingly way possible. <laughs> and, like, Konro would be there and be like, dude, we gotta take care of our wife better. And I'm for that life. <laughs> like, like, fuck, let me be thirsty. Absolutely. Listen, if, li- listen, if guys can, like, go on about, go on for, like, 20 minutes about how the exact shape of a girl's boob and icon turns him on, let me talk about my fantasies about wanting to be taken care of and cooked for. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I have my 30-page like, essay legitimately, about- Roots can name my favorite character in Fire Emblem 3. What? What women really want? <laughs> Isn't what women I mean, Roots of Justice can literally name. <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> I, I do want Ferdinand von Eiger. <laughs> I God damn it! No. <laughs> oh, God. That's not even true. We all. Look, I love Ferdinand von Eiger. He would totally be my fuck in the Fire Emblem fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> but we all know I'm marrying Dudu because he can cook and garden. Yeah. Dudu would take such good care of me. Dudu is literally just Roots. Aw, I'm flattered. Roots, you take- Dudu's good people. Thank you. I'm on and, I'm on and nowhere just like in the corner like, what the fuck? I'm just thinking, Roots, you take damn good care of this girl. <laughs> God. <laughs> you pet her head gently and cook her. God, would Andrew night. be our Ferdinand? Oh God, would Andrew? Oh God, Andrew would be our Ferdinand von Eiger, wouldn't he? Oh my God. 
Aman, what does any of this mean? Holy fuck you. It means we're moving on to the next section. Speaking in tongues. Anyways. You know what? Fire Rumble Three Houses takes place at a monastery, so let's talk about some sisters. <laughs> let's talk about Sister Iris, the goodest girl. <laughs> <coughs> and her not-so-good sister, Princess Hibana. Princess Hibana is literally every dude on anime's fetish. She steps on people. She also has complex feelings about the church, her upbringing, and her powers, and uh, how she feels about Iris because she and Iris are the only survivors of a mass, spontaneous human combustion that took away every sister at their church, prompting Hibana to leave, become a mad scientist, and gain power and become the Company 5 uh, captain. Playing uh, Sister Iris is Alexis Tipton. And playing Princess Habana is Colleen Klingenbeard. Uh, Alexis Tipton, you'll know, is characters such as Pearl Fay in Ace Attorney, uh, Rika Shigamura in Hanagai, and Kofuku in Noragami. Colleen Klingenbeard, you'll know, is characters such as Mia Fay in Ace Attorney, Yuko Ichihara in Holic, and Emma Asahina in Brothers Conflict. Wow. Go <laughs> between all the characters there. Just, just gotta get yeah, that range. Yeah, that's true. This is, and this is this character for Colleen is definitely more on her um, Yuko side than the uh, than the Emma side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and talking about these characters, uh, so this show is very weird. <laughs> it's very weird in its its treatment of um, Catholicism, in that it doesn't really. Okay, it, it does get the, um, the sort of the devout. Uh, uh, um, what's the word? Like devoting your life to uh, a higher being mentality when it comes to the nunhood. Uh, now that being said, the god that they worship in this is not the Christian god. It's they 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 refer to it as uh, the god Soul, which of course just means sun, and that's basically what all of the Catholicism is geared towards. But it's pulled directly from nun fetish websites, and so in doing that, Iris. Uh, Alexis's performance of Iris is um, is very sweet. It's uh, very nice and it's very sentimental and delicate, while also uh, not being uh, annoying, which is what I was kind of worried about, is that in having a character who is not a fighter, but is more of a healer, that she would be treated as a damsel in distress, which, yes, yeah, she does get kidnapped in one uh, episode, but she's not helpless entirely. Like, she's got her convictions that she stands up for, and Alexis pulls that off really well. Um, using her, you know, her Alexis voice. And now for Colleen Clinkenbeard. So, when you introduce a character in stilettos, walking on a sea of guys just to cause them pain, and telling, and referring to people as gravel, because that's how low you think of them, you, you think maybe, like, that, that character wouldn't be uh, very uh, endearing? Or uh, very uh, popular? But uh, uh, she is like she she gets uh, some of the more popular uh, fan service shots. I, I don't get this uh, fascination in the show where you're firefighter, so you should be wearing full body gear to protect yourself from the fire. But all the women have to have fully exposed cleavage. I, I don't think that's code regulation. Or am I thinking far too much into this? Yes, it, it's weird. It's weird, but then again, this whole show is weird. But, okay, to give actual proper credit for Colleen's performance, so Colleen can do very sultry voices, like Yoko is a very good example of it. In this character, she gives the lower voice that she's known for, but it's more of a boss voice. Uh, it's not like she's trying to seduce people with her uh, her feminine wiles or her outfit or her convictions. 
it's supposed to convey a sense of bossiness. And uh, watching her backstory in, uh, uh, like, she, she was a good nun for a while. Like, she had this very cool power, but she still has this power to make, like, fire flowers, basically. But then she gets kind of, uh, she turns into a hardcore atheist after the fire destroys all of their friends and they're the only two survivors. And Colleen carries a whole lot of that um, pent-up anxiety, not anxiety, but that pent-up resentment towards the church that comes with that. Uh, it's kind of a shame that she doesn't get to do too much after her battle with uh, Shinra, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they're saving more development for her, maybe like a redemption arc or something, in the second half of the show. Um, Mr. Aman. Did you say anything about Iris? <laughs> yeah, I said that she. Ha yeah, I said she had a good Alexis voice. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. You couldn't see no, but I was nodding silently the entire. No, time. oh, I, I can see that. I, I, I've got a. I'm looking through the microphone right now and saying yes, yes, very yes. And I see that you're also you're holding a wine glass and you're just kind of swirling it around very carefully. Like, mm, yes, quite. quite yes, yes, indubitably. Mm -hmm. Joke's on you, I hate wine. <laughs> Awful beverage. Wait, wait, let me look at that. Oh, oh, it's Monster. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, more <laughs> That's on Anyways. my desk, Noah. Damn it, my, oh, my microphone visibility is just awful today. It's it's the beard. It makes everything hard to see on this end. <laughs> um, anywho. What was I saying? Um... Who to start with? Let's start with Alexis. Um, I think I kind of agree. Uh, Iris feels like a character who could have been... Um, I, I, I agree. I think her character is used well. I think um, she is not a very typical, like, shown-in-action kind of character. Uh, or at least not one who gets to usually do a lot that's not that interesting. Um, I think she's... she's, she's, she's she, her, her role in this story, I think, is well done. And I think Alexis um, plays her very well. Um, she's good, like, she's good at the guy, like, the obvious sort of, you know, she's very sweet, she's very kind, she behaves like you'd think a nun would. Um, but she also, like, uh, Iris does get, like, dramatic range in this show, and I think Alexis uh, can, you know, knows how to step up and do that when she needs to. Especially, you know, in the, in the arc between Iris and, um, Hibana, when we see that, you know, I think she, she really sells it on that from, you know, uh, the, you know, stuff in the flashbacks and their kids to them just kind of talking about what, you know, that whole process in the present. Um, she does a really, like she does a really good job, and I think she she is she's also just she's she's good at being funny when she needs to be. It's a good role. Uh, and Colleen, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, this character. Is... The show, I, 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 the show is, it's not unserious, but it's also not serious. <laughs> and Hibana feels like a good example of that. Just, this lady is going to step on you. Uh, and it's, yes, please. And you're going to like yes. it. You're going to like it, darn it. Lick my shoe. Yeah, basically. No, literally, that's what she says at one point. I know, she's... Colleen's clearly having a lot of fun playing this character. She's real. She's really over the top. Uh, she's big. She's very like. I mean, she's you know. She's half. She's halfway. She feels like she's gonna give like an oh like an oh no <laughs> laugh half the time. Uh, except she wouldn't actually do that. She'd just step on you instead. Um, Colleen. Colleen's clearly having fun playing this character. Uh, who's just 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 the right just the right side of over the top. 
Um, but again, she also gets to she gets to do play with the, with the more dramatic aspects of the character. I think she also does a good job of both like nailing those beats when she needs to, and also making it sound like a cohesive character. Um, she's able to bring those sort of wilder, fancier element, you know, some of those elements, and feel make them feel consistent when she's talking about like the trauma she's endured and how that shaped her outlook on life. Um, I, like I think these are both very good performances, and I think they they especially play well off each other, which I think is important given how uh, the arc that focuses on them plays out. I feel like if their interplay wasn't good, uh, this you know wouldn't be nearly as that arc would suffer for it, and I don't think it does. Good stuff. Now, what do you okay. think of the Fire Force 5? I like the one who hides. Because <laughs> she realizes they're clearly outmatched here. <laughs> she was fun. Alright, so I should probably go, yeah. shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Alright, um... I like these two performances. I like, um... I like how Alexis and Colleen are able to play off of each other with um, the more traumatic parts of their of their past in the story arc and like that that was all fun. I I like the um like when Colleen's character actually like steps on the guys like the um I get a lot of um, Hinamatsuri vibes off of it because they all yell "Owie, owie, owie!" Which, holy shit, that's a Kyle. That's also a Kyle Phillips dub, <laughs> isn't it? Fitting. That's also a show that Kyle dubbed. Yes. Oh wow. Um, it is. I. Yeah, I I like how Alexis sort of plays um, Iris as sort of this. Peppy, young, naive, um, none in training, and, um, Colleen gets to be haughty and just completely arrogant, and I, I love it when she gets to do that, because she, she does it really, really well. So, great performances all around. So, I really like both of these performances. Uh, I, I can't say much more about Alexis, because she's only kind of had the one really big moment she has this naivete and and patience to her like she's been through some shits but she's still very positive and very calming and i think that's kind of what she has to be because she is a trained nun and that's her entire life and she also has absolutely zero firepower she is absolutely helpless unless the rest of her team is there but she's also a courageous character and she stands up to her sister she goes over to company five by herself to tell her off. Um, but I think that Alexis does a solid job here. Um, to me, the real standout in the segment is Colleen Tibana, who goes through a lot. Like, she has a real crisis of faith that she has to go through. I do think that this isn't a knock on Colleen, but I do think that the performance could have been a little bit better. Not because of anything she could control, but I do wish that Hibana's arc didn't wrap up so fucking fast. Yeah. Like... I thought that her character was super interesting and that Colleen was putting a lot into this performance and she was ripping the very meager strands of meat that were on that bone. Like, Colleen was working it. There's a lot of really kind of crazy things that she goes through where, like, you see that she goes from thinking that her, her powers are a blessing from God to, oh God, the thing that I've been blessed with has killed everybody I care about. How could this ever be a blessing from God? 
And then she gets relegated to kind of being this jokey harem member for Shinra. And, I, and Colleen does a good job being funny and stuff and stepping on all the guys and beating up uh, Kyle Phillips' character. Because <laughs> Kyle Phillips is another rookie fire soldier that's on uh, her team. And his thing is, like, he can blow bubbles and make them explode on people. But, um... I think these both of these ladies did a really great job. I just kind of wish there was more meat to their performance. Uh, I would not be opposed to Iris or Hibana getting more more time, but yeah, I, both great jobs. Let's move on to the dads of Company no. Eight. No. <laughs> hey guys, what's better than one co one company with dilfs? Two companies with dilfs. A company with two, two dilfs? companies with dilfs. <laughs> yes so let's talk about the man the myth the legend akiteru obi a man with no powers all muscle all heart please take care of me <laughs> akiteru obi could lift me and hit, could bench me and i'd be so happy <laughs> i guess but he's the he's the good cop dad. He is. It's a good thing too, because I, I shudder to think it would happen. But every every good cop, every good cop needs a bad cop dad. So there's Takase Hinawa in his hats. Hinawa is a second generation <laughs> fire force soldier who came from the army, whose power is bullet time. His power is gone. Hinawa drives. Non-lethal yeah. <laughs> bullets, my ass. Hinoa tells you that you have. Hinoa's other superpower is telling you that you have to share the Xbox. <laughs> Give your brother controller to controller one. You get the Mad Cats one this time. Arthur, Shinra, shut the fuck up and sh shut the fuck up and play co-op. <laughs> No, Shinra, you got the player one controller Playing last Akita. time. You get to play with the Mad Cats now. Yo, speaking as a dad myself, there's Ow. a certain point where you just, you don't let them play at all, and you just play in front of them. It's like, fine. Like going to McDonald's and ordering Talk a single black what? coffee. That's exactly what he would do. Thank you. Hinoa, Benny Maru, ordering a single black coffee. McDonald's. <laughs> playing Akateru Obi is Jeremy Inman. Playing Takase Hinoa is Christopher Waycamp. Jeremy Inman, you'll know his characters such as Yoshikata and ja Dagashi Kashi. Goro Oyama in Nick's Meisei Story. And uh, Okarehira in Token Rambu Hanamaru. Christopher Wakefield you'll know his characters such as uh, Rokusei Konoji in Classroom of the Elite, Tenka Kumo in Laughing Under the Clouds, and Alexis Lentkin in Steins Gate Zero. It's also time that we point out that Jeremy Inman was an actual fucking firefighter. Oh, yes. That's a... Yeah, Jeremy Inman is a fire... Was a firefighter for years. So, he he also is the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> I mean, they don't call it in Manime for nothing. Mm. <laughs> anyway, no a clue. Please go ahead. Look, I feel a little called out on this as being the only person in the group who has uh, actually entered the realm of fatherhood. 
um, physically. Like, fatherhood is also a spiritual entity. Like, uh, Amon and Roots here are also honorary dads. They are part of the honorary dad squad because it is a state of being. It is a state of uh, responsibility. I mean, if Steph can be an honorary MILF without having kids, then you three can be honorary DILFs. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, dear. I'm glad to be honorary, although... Wait, let me check. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, still got kids. I mean, okay. Okay, technically to Jenny, you are a DILF. Je bang it. <laughs> bang it. I'm gonna... <laughs> I, it's not that you're wrong. But if she finds this, I will not be alive. Just wanted to keep that in mind. <laughs> and as much as death sounds like, I'm sure it'll be a great adventure, I'm not ready to take that just yet. So let's talk about these characters. Uh, because it's a bit of a shame that uh, this show, like a lot of shonen, has a tendency to, uh, once it's established certain characters, will kind of uh, under-feature them in favor of new ones coming up. It's like every couple of episodes, like, well, these these characters were fun. Let's move on to other characters. And the problem is you've got existing characters who would be perfectly fine with, like, seeing developed even more. And that's kind of what happens with um, uh, with uh, Chris Wakeham's Hinawa because uh, he gets a couple of funny parts where, like, he takes over the cooking or he's got new uh, hats in every episode or he... Basically keeps people in line by, if I remember correctly, shooting bullets, controlling their trajectory, and then hitting people in a non-lethal way, which I call bullshit on. Like, you cannot just shoot guns and not pierce the skin. And he also gives us one of the greatest lines of all time in the episode, which it, of the show, which is, wouldn't you like to get your gun baptized? Or something like that. So, um, for his actual... Oh, that's his friend to him, and he's like, no. Oh, that's right. You're right. That's in the flashback. That, that's the reason that uh, he now gets his gun baptized, is because his friend told uh, said he should. Which, I'm sorry, but if there was anything more fundamental Christian ever, it is getting guns baptized. But let's talk, <laughs> let's get, let's talk about Chris's actual performance, because um, he doesn't... Uh, the material doesn't give him the chance to be wacky or goofy or really have a whole lot of range. Uh, he has to be more on the more stoic side. You know, he has to be the bad cop, as uh, as pointed out. But he's not a bad cop. He, he's the, the serious one. And it's good that he keeps his calm and cool thoughts throughout, uh, which Chris does a really good job. It's not as deadpan as his eraser head voice. Uh, it's leveled up a little bit more. But the good thing about it is that you get the sense that there's thoughts in his head or that he's yearning for more fun or more or to be part of the group. He just doesn't convey that so much in his emotions because he has to be serious for the sake of their job, which is essentially to save people's lives. So Chris did a good job on this one. It's very easy to have stoic or deadpan characters be boring, and Chris is not boring. His uh, entire performance has a lot of dynamicism with the bits that he has to work with. I just wish that he had more to do past the few episodes that he's in. Uh, same goes for Jeremy Inman's character. Sorry, what were you going to say? I said you're in luck for episode 18, because guess who gets to do stuff? Hmm, who could it be? Uh, is it Rekka? Oh, shut up. <laughs> are there anyway. zombie fire characters? Do they come back from the dead? Wait, wait, are they ghosts? Dude, that could make a whole... Ghost fire demons. Anyways, um, 
Obi. Obi is a character. Obi is daddy. And um, so yeah, and having a character that's uh, in a team full of, of super-powered firebenders, having the leader of their group be completely powerless, uh, creates an interesting dynamic that comes up a lot more in the uh, in the what's it um, in, the, in the arc that we just got through. Um, but Jeremy's performance is rough, but it's not too low. It's like he's trying to give off the gravitas of someone who is muscular, but he's not trying to give off the lowness of someone who's like way down here. Like he's not quite at Patrick Sight's lowness. But it's good, though, because it helps convey a sense of compassion as well, which he does have. He balances out the serious and the good leadership moments. He has bits where he, like, gets on the, the newbies for pulling out their weapons in front of Next of Kin because part, a good part of their job is not just to put the Infernals to rest by killing them, but also to provide comfort to their family members who, you know, have to endure that their family member is gone forever. So Jeremy balances them out really well. And again, another character who I, I, I'm, I'm glad he has more to do uh, throughout the show. Like he'll come in and he has some really good parts where he's basically admitting, I'm, yeah, I'm terrified. I'm actually absolutely scared, but that's not going to stop me from um, kicking ass and taking names. So like I said, fatherhood is a state of being. And if you can encompass that very well, then you will get all of the fangirls. So, speaking of daddy, Amon. <laughs> I see it. <coughs> All right. Uh, I will start with Hinoa. Uh, I like Chris as Hinoa. Um, Hinoa might be my favorite character in the show, uh, mostly because uh, he always looks like he's uh, contemplating murdering the idiot in front of him, and I can relate to that as someone who works in the service industry. Um... And I like Chris's performance a lot. Um, I think he, 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 he I, I agree, I think he's able to be stoic, but still get the emotional qualities of the character across. I especially like the moment in, I think it's around episode 11, where um, he, uh, he is told, uh, what's his name? He's told Shinra, like, hey, come, you know, come make food with me. And he kind of just takes a moment to kind of like check in with him and like, how you doing? Um, and, and, and I think I think moments like that sh uh, let his performance shine, as it were, uh, just because you know he, us he usually has to maintain this very serious exterior. Um, but he can he can put more depth. You know, there's more depth to it than just that. Um, and so, like I I think I think this is a you know this, you know Chris. I feel like this is the kind of role he's good at. There's a reason they cast him as a racer head. Uh, but I, I, I think this is a really strong performance from him. Cricket, I'm trying to talk to people on the internet. You can't, you can't just claw Hi, hi kitty. Oh no, baby! No, he's alright. Mr. Cricket. He, wa he wants me to play with him. Um... You are a- you are yeah, a I like, I, Yeah, <laughs> No. <laughs> I make fun of people who call their pets fur babies. Don't put me on that place. One of uh, Well, not us, uh, but one of them. One of them. <laughs> Don't do that to me, Clue, after all we've- <laughs> Just, just, just Amon's face is Toy Story after all we've been through. <laughs> um, I like Chris's performance a lot. Uh, yeah, I think he, I think he, 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 he performs his character well. Um, and I really like Jeremy as, Jeremy as Obi. I think he's just, he sounds so right. Like, this is the correct voice for this character. Um, 
he always said, like, he, he, he is, he, like, I mean, look, we're, 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 I feel like we're goofing a little bit on him being dead, but no, he feels like a dad. He's very much like, he's the guy in charge, he knows what's up, but he, he's going to support you. He's got your back. Uh, if he's a little hard on you, it's because he wants you to, you know, improve and do better. Um, and not, you know, just, you know, he doesn't want you to, like, slack off and fart your way to the top. Um, and he's just, he's just, he, he's always so very kind of, like, casually awesome, because, you know, he doesn't have fancy superpowers. He has a suit that he can put on. Uh, I forget, I especially like the one early episode where it takes him so long to get his gear together that the mission's over already. What? It's over? <laughs> but I just got, I just finished getting dressed! Um, he's, he's also just, a, he has a lot of fun with the character, I feel like. He's good at being, you know, gruff and stern, but also kind of goofy, and, uh, Occasionally wondering how did my office get so far away from me? <laughs> I feel like no one. I feel like no one takes me seriously anymore. Um, he, has, he has a lot of fun with it. Uh, he's he's really good. I don't I don't know if his own experience as a as a firefighter uh, informs performance at all. Um, but like he's I, he's just he's good as this character. I like him a lot. Uh, I'm a little tired, which is why I keep repeating myself. I apologize. Um, it's okay. Nah. Jeremy, good stuff. Thumbs up. Are you all set on one? Yes. Oh, Roots, okay. go ahead. Um, there's a scene in the fight between um, Obi and Benny Morrow um, where they're basically like going at it full force against each other, and Benny Morrow learns that Obi doesn't have any firepowers. And he's, and he's just like, you know, why are you doing this? Aren't you scared of flames? And, like, Obi responds back, yeah, of course, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I can stand up to it. And I think that characterizes um, Obi's character really well. And um, also, it, it signifies the way Jeremy Inman is performing the character of Obi. Uh, he is... He's stoic, he's stalwart, he is willing to throw himself on the line to protect the people under his ward. Um, you know, Megan made the jokes about him being basically a, uh, a, a dad character, and that is exactly what he is. And, um, I, I love these sort of grumpy, angry energy Chris Waycamp gives to uh, Hinoa. He's just a big old grumpy doof. And he's a good grumpy little doof. Who's gone through some traumatic stuff that he doesn't like talking about. And he, um, as much as he's kind of, you know, out there and... Like, um... Oh, where was I going with this? Um... Like, he, he does a really good job of being this sort of... Grumpy, but also willing to, like Obi, um, put himself in danger to make sure the younger members of the 8th Squad are basically protected. And, like, I... I really love these two characters and their performances, and I really hope that they continue to get to go do cool things for the rest of the show's run. 
Right. Okay, my turn. Uh, I'll start with Hina first. I think Chris Boykamp is a really interesting choice for this. Um, I mean, obviously, he plays best one of the best dads in My Hero as uh, Shoto Aizawa. But I think that he brings a lot of the same energy that Aizawa has to Hinawa, but Hinawa is a bit of a different character. Hinawa is... He is very passionate about his job. <laughs> and not in the way that, like, Rekka is. This is a man who literally, like, shoots out other people using their firepower. Um. So... Like, he, he shits on Maki all the time, unfortunately. Poor yeah. Maki. <laughs> um, but, like, literally, literally, like, Hinoa has been through some stuff. Like, uh, when in his backstory in the army where he literally can, can tell who's, what people are like and stuff. And he's like, I, that girl works twice as hard, but she's too kind and she's not cut out for killing people. Like, she's a fool about Maki, and then he can't bring himself to kill his roommate and best friend because he didn't have the gun that was baptized. Like, also, shout out to Joel McDonald for that for that part, because that was Joel McDonald. <laughs> um, I thought that sounded but, like, like him. I think, I love the, yeah, that's Joel, that was Joel McDonald. Um, that's the thing I really like about that part where, uh, especially the dynamic between Obi and Hinoa that... Jeremy and Chris also bring to it where um, he talks about how thoughtful of a person that Hinoa is because Hinoa steps in to help them him kill an infernal that another group wasn't going to go after because it wasn't a big name one and he's like you you came in here and you did all of this without even thinking about it for a second you're a good person and then he, he picks Maki to come with him because Maki is the kind, compassionate person who cares about human life. And Hinoa does have a stick of his ass. And he is a very, like, kind of growly, grumpy-looking motherfucker. But he really is a caring, genuine guy. And I think that Chris gets that across in his performance. And then, uh, Jeremy as Obi is so fucking good. Like, if you've never heard Jeremy Inman act before... This is a real treat for, for you. And for people like us who have been, like, who've heard him for a long time, maybe not as, like, these big name kind of major ensemble characters, getting to, getting to hear him play uh, this, like, rock in voice in their group. And everyone brings up the moment where he's, like, to, uh, to Benny Maru, where he's just like, I don't have any powers. I'm just gonna, uh, you're not gonna listen to me, so I'm just gonna use my fucking fists. And I'm going to keep pushing forward because that's the only thing I can do. Like, also when he stands up to the Fire Force captain who's like, yeah, no, we're not going to kill this guy. He's like, with all due respect, you should be putting them to rest. It's not about points. It's about human life. But to me, the real thing that really sold me on Jeremy's performance and Benny Maru as a character, not Benny Maru, and Obi as a character is all the way as far back as episode two where he tells Shinra and uh, Arthur to put their weapons away. And he gives this really beautiful speech about how at the end of the day, they are still killing people. He still views putting uh, infernal arrest as taking a human life. And that your victims can be triggered by this and you should show them that decency and respect you're killing their loved one. You are essentially being their murderer. Just put your fucking weapons away, you dumbasses. 
And that's what really, and Jer- the way that Jeremy spoke with such, like, firm gentleness and candor was fantastic. And I think this is one of his career best performances, uh, let alone one of the best performances in the show. Also, B, yes, he did bring some of his experience as a firefighter into it. Uh, the line where he goes, slow down, Turbo, is actually something he said to somebody on the job. <laughs> That's great. I learned that from Twitter. Nice. I learned that from Twitter. Um, so let's move into our final group, which we're going to uh, just finish out Company 8. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we originally were going to keep one of these characters separate, but for the sake of time, we are just smushing them all together. <laughs> uh, so there is Ko- uh, Kosatsu Tamaki. She's a cat girl. She also has the single worst aspect of the show attached to her called the Lucky Letter Lure, which isn't so lucky because all it does is cause Tamaki to get sexually assaulted. Uh, there is Arthur Boyle. Arthur's an idiot. <laughs> he really is. He thinks is. he's a knight. He is very dumb. Arthur, Arthur is, Arthur, I would call Arthur a himbo, but he doesn't have enough muscle. Oh, it's true. Is that word actually entering our lexicon? Arthur's dumb. No, himbo entered the lexicon a long time beforehand. But it's the other firefighting show from firefighting thing from Japan that came out this year that has the textbook himbo. Like I want to say, um, Arthur is somewhere between a, a twink and a himbo. Mm. Is there is there such an animal? He's a twimbo. There we go. Twi- <laughs> twimbo. Let me get on Urban Dictionary right now and coin that He's phrase. He's dumb. Twimbo. Yeah, a twimbo. Then there is He's Maki Oze. Maki Oze is a good-hearted... It's a twinkish himbo. Anyway, Maki Oze is a good-hearted fire soldier who loves the idea of being in love. She has cute, two cute fire demons named Flare and Sputter. She is also fucking jacked. Sputter. Holy shit. Sputter, 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 sputter. Maki is like chef's... Maki is the chef kiss for all buff girls this year. <laughs> she is the patron saint of all of us who into buff girls. So how heavy are the dumb well? And finally, you can't have... <laughs> Pretty fucking heavy How heavy are the dumbbells she lifts? <laughs> she literally can lift up like a, a metal yeah. tanker. Um... She can literally lit, d- deadlift the entire cast of how heavy are the dumbbells that you lift. Um, and then there's our hero, the man with the legend, Shinra Kusakabe, who became a fire soldier after his brother Sho and mother were killed. But Sho isn't actually dead. He's alive and played by Justin Briner. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, so, playing... <laughs> it's not a spoiler. It's on the cast list. There's a disclaimer. Okay. We've There's a disclaimer. People. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> this far into the episode, you've learned your shit. <coughs> I wish my brother had grown up to be Justin Brown. Anyway. <laughs> Damn, don't we all? Um, <laughs> playing. Co- uh, t- he's such. He's, Justin Briner is so nice. Um, playing Tomaki is Jade Saxon. Playing Arthur is Eric Vale. Playing Maki is Sarah Roach. And playing Shinra is Derek Snow. Jade Saxon, you'll know as characters such as Haru in My Roommate is a Cat, Carla in Fairy Tale, and Un in Show by Rock. 
Eric Vale, you'll know his characters such as Keisuke Umehara in The Big Windup, Yuki Soma in Fruits Basket, and Abe no Sose in Laughing Under the Clouds. Sarah Roach, this is her first big named role. Hey. And she was specifically chosen. And she was specifically chosen because Maki Seiyu also didn't have very many roles behind her. And Derek Snow, you'll know his characters such as Yagen Toshiro in Token Rambu Hanamaru, Madea Toshi in Kochiki, and Loen in Dance with Devils. <sighs> Take it away, right, Noah Clue! Let's do this. Uh, this, is a, yeah, this is a large group to talk about, and probably the most dynamic of them, because being younger members of this uh, company, they're all uh, a little hot-headed and still learning the ropes, but we focus on them a lot. So there's a lot to, uh, to glean from them. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't like Arthur as a character. I... <laughs> There's a, his introduction, first of all, is really rushed. Um, he's introduced as, um, yeah, we were uh, kind of rivals in Fire Soldier Academy, which is the kind of th detail that we'd kind of like to see. And I don't know if we're going to get a flashback that actually shows what they were like in learning the ropes to become a fire soldier, because by the time we start in the show, uh, all the characters are already professional firefighters. But I don't really like Arthur's... Uh, entire demeanor as like he's supposed to be like the the second lead boy he uh, takes on the persona of a knight he's supposed to be chivalrous he's also just kind of very full of himself and he wields a lightsaber which is not a bad thing like we, we've seen uh, second in command characters in shonen shows uh, wield lightsabers that are all like sometimes the favorite character just look at Kurabara in Yu Yu Hakusho I feel safe in saying Arthur Boyle is not Kuwabara but Eric Vale's performance, though, is perfectly fitting with the character. Um, he's got this uh, very uh, kind of basic voice with a sense of a grumble in the back of the voice um, because he still sounds young. He sounds like he's like you know fresh out of high school kind of uh, age, but he's also just got this punk-like demeanor to him. Despite being portrayed as a knight-like character, he's also just got kind of a punk attitude to him. That makes him a little difficult to control. But yeah, I don't like the character very much. But I can't say that Eric didn't do the character justice. He did exactly what this character called for. Uh, likewise, or I'm sorry, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I really like Maki. Um, first, I, I really like Sputter. I, I like the way that the the sound mixers have the, her her sentient fire make the sounds like Sputter. It's very adorable and very. FYI. Go, yeah. Sorry, just to cut in about that. Both Sputter and Flair do have separate voice actresses. Flair is Alex Moore and Sputter is Jeannie okay. Toronto. Yeah, that, that was a nice little detail. And I look I look forward to the four comma spinoff that focuses just on their misadventures. But Maki, um, Sarah's uh, portrayal is uh, twofold because she has to be uh, serious businesslike. Um, she has to keep the, the new boys in check. But um, in contrast to uh, her outward demeanor, she's also very girly girly. Um, she's all about like, do you think he's the one? And she gets very, um, yeah, she gets very sentimental and uses rounded vowels when she gets uh, fangirlish like that, which, which is not her entire persona. It's not like she's incompetent to the point of being entirely focused on uh, fangirling because she's very competent in what she does. And Sarah, it, it, this is her first big role. It, it's the kind of role that I can easily see, uh, or the kind of performance I can see her easing into newer, uh, more dynamic stuff. Because Maki doesn't have too much to do in the show, um, but she is a very good uh, part of the of the cast. And I, I like the flashback scene where we kind of see that she was underappreciated because her dad 
is uh, like a big member of the fire force. And so we kind of help get her in. But no, she can stand on her own perfectly well. She's just more uh, better suited as a fire soldier than she is a classic original recipe soldier. I don't know what that implies because we don't see him go to war just yet. Um, now, um, let, let's talk about, let us talk about Jade Saxon's performance for a bit here. So, Tamaki is, uh, Sundere, just really Sundere, and there are, are, there's an archetypal Japanese and English voice that goes with that, and Jade, uh, portrays that well here. It's, uh, full of high-pitched screams, but also full of some whimpering crying when she gets, uh, in trouble, and also, uh, vulnerability when needing to be protected and Jade pulls off all the flavors really well there's no lines that feel out of place in contrast to the character design which I do really like her superpower I like the like her kind of like uh, beast like way that she uh, uses her flame that's really cool it is a big shame that most of her scenes involve her getting stripped down or someone copying a feel or her clothes just absolutely burning off. Or one scene where she doesn't know how to put on an apron. And so she just shows up in nothing but an apron. It's not funny. It's not titillating. And it's really tone dissonant to what's going on in the scene. Because there's scenes where there's serious fighting going on. Or training to advance through the ranks. We don't really need this character being sexually assaulted. And it's, it's such a shame that that's, the defining that's her defining characteristic. Because I feel like she could use a lot more with the superpower she's got and finally Shinra Shinra is really cool um, because in sticking with the Catholic theme of the show he's got a redemption arc because everyone thinks that he's a devil uh, partially because he's got fire powers and also because he's got a cork where he can only smile if uh, I'm sorry he can, he can only um, deal with being nervous by smiling when he gets really nervous his face just kind of tenses up and it goes into this sharpie tooth uh shark teeth smile i think derek snow's performance can best be described as very similar to a todd habercorn impression and that's 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 a good thing i mean that in the best way possible because it comes with that youthful ringing that uh is very uh very close to the kind of hero character that's going to redeem themselves throughout the entire show so he's not punkish like arthur he's not super vulnerable like uh uh tamaki and he's not yet in charge like uh obi is so for that derek snow did a really good job and i'm glad to hear him in some more funimation stuff the the thing i remember him most for is that he played uh gusco Bidori in the life of gusco Bidori, um which was a pretty good dub so i'm glad i'm <laughs> glad to hear him here yes i will reference every thing that was based on Kenji Miyazawa's works when I get the chance. That's fair. So I, I, I own that too, by the way. It's not as good as Night on the Galactic Road. I have yet to it, watch it's it. It's good, it's just not as good as Night on the Galactic Railroad. But um anyway, speaking of things that are good as Night on the Galactic Railroad, I'm on. <laughs> that is a very high bar you've set for me, Noah. You're a true scholar. What well, one of my favorite <laughs> movies of the eighties, thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, to start, um, Noah, you are correct. Arthur, Arthur is uh, Arthur is no Kuabara. Kuabara is much smarter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> low bar to clear. Ku, 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 Kuabara may be book dumb, but he knows what he's doing some of the time. I'm not sure. Aside from having a lightsaber, I'm not sure Arthur's. He got lost for Christ's sake. <laughs> Who gets lost? 
There will be there He's will be no Kuwabara slander in this house. He's not Ryoka. What excuse does he have? Anyways, uh, but I think Eric, I do enjoy Eric's performance. I do think and, uh, I'm I'm I don't I don't hate him, but I'm a little bit really ambivalent. He feels like. Um, he feels like he's supposed to be a foil for Shinra, but I feel like the story's more interested in Shinra anyway, so he doesn't get to be too foily after the first handful of episodes. Um, but I think Eric does a good job with the character. Um, he he feels very theoretically noble, but kind of a dunce because he's not clearly not he's clearly not as like smart mature as he thinks he is, even if he does have a sweet laser sword. Um, and Eric, I think Eric Eric brings that to the character. Um, he is a lot of fun to hear. Uh, it's fun to watch him die while trying to do paperwork. Because <laughs> I've been there. It's no fun. Um, I enjoy his performance a lot. Um, I want to give a big shout out, uh, like, uh, uh, as I think, um, obviously this is um, Sarah's first big role, as we already mentioned. And she does a good job here. Like, I like Maki. Maki's cool. Uh... <laughs> Um, Ma Maki, Maki helps prove that thing that, uh, he, the truest thing Spike Spiegel ever said is that, uh, he loves a woman who can kick his ass. And let's be honest, that's just true in general. It's the most relatable, that's the second most relatable thing he ever said right after, do I look like I have money? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think she does a good job. She's good at being, uh, you know, she's, you know, she's good at being, you know, the sort of the bubbly and, and. And, you know, she's, you know, very young and has these crushes and so on. And she's, she's a lot of fun as that. And she's also very good at being, you know, lady who could bench press giant metal trucks if she wants to. <laughs> she could probably juggle the rest of Fire Section 8 if she wanted to. Let's be honest here. Strong lady. Um, I enjoy her a lot. She's great. She's great. And big fan. Um, Tamaki. I don't get Tamaki. You don't? I have I have ba I have I have various baseless theories as to why she's here ranging from editorial interference to just the fact that the magazine it's published in seems like it's kinda horny in general, if I'm being honest. Uh, this is where uh, what's his name who does uh, Love Hina got his start in addition to being the fairy tale guy's major home, so mm -hmm. um, but I think for the character Jade has been given, I do think she is a good job. She is um, Probably not good enough to kind of get over what the character has to do, but she's at least giving it her all. She is having fun, uh, and even if she doesn't kind of paper over the... <laughs> well, to give the probably the worst example, the incredibly uh, mood-spoiling fanservice bit during the fight with... Uh... Uh... Rekka. Rekka. Thank you, Rekka. Um... Like, Jade, Jade is at least giving it her all. I think it is a good performance, even if the character themselves is questionable to say the least um so like no 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 slight on her for that she is doing the best of what she can and i do think she is doing a good job it pisses me off is that that you would think like okay maybe other characters would get their own clothes burned off as well but th there's one scene where was it where arthur gets like his clothes scratched by fire only scratched uh -huh. not torn off like uh, like tamaki had just you know just like a little scratch if he was a girl if he had breasts that entire shirt would have been shredded to pieces. You know it would be. Unquestionably. No, unquestionably. Frankly, I am more. I am surprised there is not more uh, male-centric fan service in this show because I don't feel like it's against that, and they have a perfectly good excuse. Anyways, having said all that, I now must present the the question that has been 
uh, everyone has been wondering to themselves the entire night, who gave Dr. Danny his own show? <laughs> <laughs> who did this? Who? Who gave what? Who gave Dr. Danny his own show? Oh, God damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> my introduction to Derek Snow was watching him in Angels of Death where he plays a really warped mad scientist with an eyeball fetish. Uh, and I liked him then, and I like him here now. Um, I appreciate the fact that Funimation has a bunch of these sort of long, indeterminate ending shonen series running around at this point, and they have made a very conscious effort to diversify the main cast of most of these. Like, whoever you're, you know, you're, you know, you got My Hero, you got Black Clover, you got this going on, you got others. Dr. Stone. Clear point of, like, we're not going to have... You got Dr. Hmm. Stone, or... Exactly, like, and there, there feels like it's a very conscious effort of, like, we are not going to have the same lead actors in most of these shows that we can help it. Obviously, some of their casts are so big you're going to get overlap regardless, but there's very much, like, all right, uh, you know, Justin's already doing My Hero, Dallas is already doing uh, Black Clover. All right, we have Fire Force. Who, who do we have who can fit this vocal range but isn't them? Because double casting them, in addition to being really exhausting for them as actors, like, that's lazy. Let's pick other talent. Like, we have a big enough acting pool. Um, and I like the fact that Derek's been given this opportunity. I like I like him as an actor. I think he's good here. Um, you know, he's good at the whole, you know, fiery young, fiery young man trying to prove his way and he can shoot fire out of his feet. How cool is that? Um, yeah. And he's just a fun... He's, he's, he, he, does, he does it well, and I think, as, as I said for a lot of these characters, he can do, like, you know, sort of the funny, action-y shonen stuff, and he can also do the more... Uh, dramatically heavy stuff where he's talking about like his origin and what his backstory is and how you know this guy Joker's been following me around and he keeps telling me things and I don't quite like it but I think he might be telling the truth too. Um, it's a good perform. It's a good strong performance. It's nice seeing um, someone like Derek who I think is like you know a good actor who has not had opportunities to be a major lead all that often, um, at least in the things I've seen him in. Uh, get this opportunity and be able to do so much with it. So, like, I'm, 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 I am. Opinions of my, my opinions of the characters aside, I am happy with all these performances, and I'm glad they're here. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'll get um Tamaki out of the way. Um. I thought Jade Saxon seemed like she was having fun with the character, despite you know, the very glaring obvious, like over-the-top fan service, like, way over-the-top for a show like this. Um, she's doing the best with what she's got. Not doing that bad of a job. Um, overall, just solid performance where she can. Um, Sarah Roach, being this, her, her first big major role in Funimation, um, she's doing a really great job with it, um, she plays Maki with this, um, with this nice bravado and, like, some pep, some energy, um, like, one thing I don't like, though, is, um, the way her character is portrayed in the first couple episodes, um, where, where the men are basically calling her an ogre, like, no. She's cool. Screw you guys. Um, Eric Vale plays Arthur Boyle as a big doof. Uh, it's it's fun. I actually do enjoy the character for being a big doof. Um, he is definitely 
a moment of brevity when it is needed. Uh, and I think Eric lends himself very well to that. Um, also, really good to see Derek Snow in a lead role in a show. Like, I I really like this performance as Dr. Danny. And, um, yeah, it's really great to see him in something like this. Where, you know, like Amon said, these uh, long-running shonen shows, um, they tend to need different actors as the main protagonist just because... Doing a bunch of these at once is kind of taxing on the voice, so... Uh, having a bunch of different people being able to play big shonen-y protagonist characters... Like, that's a good thing, and I, I'm really glad Derek Snow got this opportunity. So, uh, great solid performances all around. Thumbs up. Awesome. So, I'll go ahead and go. Um... Jane's doing her best with what she's got, because Tamaki ain't much. Um, I feel bad, because it's like oh, this is going to be seen as insulting her work and insulting her character. No, Jade does a really good job. Jade makes her uh, her banter good and snappy. She gets the delivery right. Um, she even has, like, I think one time she actually manages to, like, snip, slip in a, sneeth, a snelf cat noise. Because Maki's a cat. Tamaki's a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. It's just, it's just, it's just a shame that her character literally has the single worst fucking thing in the entire show. Because like, we're not kidding when like the lucky lecture lure pops up at the worst time. Like, episode ten goes from being like really intense to being fucking infuriating. Uh, no, sorry, nine. It's nine. Goes from being really intense to fucking infuriating. It is, like, absolutely balls hard to watch. (laughs) Because it is just fucking awful. And Jade does a really good job keeping her head up. Like, I'm sorry, I hate- I fucking hate it. Literally, there's nothing funny. Okay. God, I don't want to take up more time on this because this episode's already really long. Okay, Tamaki's already been humiliated enough. Yeah. She has literally been beaten to the point of tears. And they, like, do this really long, like, kind of creepy, fetishizy shot of when Shinra's like, are you okay? And she's just, like, trying to hold it back and she shakes her head and starts to cry and tries yeah. to look tough. You've already humiliated this girl enough as it is. Like, you don't need Shinra, like, running into her titties in the middle of, like, a really, really intense fight. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, t- but Jade, Jade, Jade does Jade. And that's not something I'll ever complain about. Like, it's Jade Saxton doing what she's the best at. And that's really solid. It's not winning any awards, but it's it's also not infuriatingly bad. Uh, Sarah Roach does a great job as Maki. I think that the character hasn't done enough, so I really want her to do that, but she gets the humor down, she gets the delivery down. I do also agree with Roots that the whole fucking ogre thing is dumb as fuck. Maki is a beautiful princess. Anybody who thinks otherwise is weak and wrong. And they will not survive (laughs) Um, the winter. They will not. Survive the winter. Um, Arthur, Eric Vale is perfect as Arthur. In my mind, Arthur Boyle is just a more tolerable black star. That's not really a Ooh. low bar. And that includes really the performance. Bar- high bar to clear. 
and I love Brittany Kurbowski to pieces, but I think this is a, a, a much more solid performance for that type of character. Um, I think he plays Arthur with ham and bombastic, like, bomb he's bombastic, he's hammy, he's a, a, a fucking riot. Uh, we're not talking about it, but there's a moment where Arthur has a donkey's head on his crotch in a later episode. But I mean, like, literally, the to me, the, the moment that Eric, I think, like, if you need to see, and I know it's a clip that Funimation put up, too. Uh, to see how well Eric nails uh, Arthur, uh, Arthur, uh, they put a clip up of when he's like, "That's just a little old man dressed as a little girl," and he kicks, and he kicks okay, them in that the face. Was funny. <laughs> and everyone's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And that's also just like one of the best ensemble moments too, because they're all just yelling at him, and he's just like, "That I'm not wrong," and he's just like keeping it, and he's just saying things wrong, and he's a fucking riot, and. I really want to compliment Derek Snow as Shinra. He is phenomenal. And as somebody who has gone through the Otome anime trenches, <laughs> uh, seeing Derek Snow nail this is not a surprise to me. Um, I've watched a lot of stuff that Derek's in. Derek has never made me, like, not impressed. Like, I've genuinely been a fan of the guy for, like, upwards of four years. And it was really funny. Everyone's like, who is this new guy, Derek Snow? Oh I'm like, shut your mouth, children. Derek Snow has been in all of these things. And I, I brought this up in the Kochiki episode where it's like, no, a lot of these actors who are getting these big names shown in have been in other things. <laughs> Quite a lot, actually. Like, like uh, Justin Briner was doing really good lead work in the year before he was Deku. Um... Dallas Reed was doing a lot of lead work before he was Asta. Uh, Aaron Dismuke has been around the block a long time before he was Senku. Like, I think that Derek is great. I think there are times that he... I don't think that he sounds like another actor. I think Derek sounds like Derek. Because I'm really used to Derek's mm. voice. Derek Snow has a voice that I would find anywhere. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I really genuinely like the way that he talks. I like the way that he plays Shinra as... Shinra acts like a 16-year-old and he sounds like a 16-year-old. So, I big big thumbs up to, to Derek. And I'm happy to see him get uh, a big get where he's a, a big lead character on Toonami and stuff. And Shinra reminds me a lot more of a very gruffer version of his character, Rill, from Black Clover. Who is also an energetic spazball, but... He's, uh, he's, he's, I don't think he's as complex as, as Shinra is. Uh, with that, let's get our final thoughts out yeah, of the way. Fine, I'm take one minute to do this, because I, I don't think there's anything new to really cover here. Because this is, like I said, this is a dub. It's very competent. It's, um, uh, it does not require, uh, very much depth, I don't think. Because it, it's not a very, uh, complicated show. It's, you know, it's a hero or i'm sorry it's a character redeeming themselves through their reputation it's uh lots of different characters dealing with uh, kind of a big conspiracy that we're learning more about and throughout the whole thing uh we meet lots of interesting characters with interesting superpowers and interesting voices to go with it um and this is a very easy show to just watch uh, a couple episodes at a time like the the one thing i don't like sometimes is when shows uh, like one batch of episodes doesn't exactly tie into another batch of episodes, but that's just kind of the way that Shonen works. And Funimation has proven they know how to do tsunami-worthy Shonen very well. So for dub on this one, I, I don't really have any qualms with it. 
guys keep doing what you're doing and finish off the show strong. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, this is good. I like this dub. I think it's a really strong dub. Um, I don't think the show is perfect, but I do think it is. Like it, the th the parts I like about it far outweigh the things that I don't. Um, I think it's a real it's a it's a good fun shonen show. Uh, the direction of it is often a little more artistic-y than I expect out of shows like this, which is fun. Uh, and I think there's a really strong dub that's going along with it. I'm happy this is being broadcast on Toonami. I think it, uh, I think that's a good place for it, and I think it, you know, this feels like a show that I would want more people to be able to see easily. Uh, just because I think it's a good fun romp. Uh, yeah, like, kudos to the whole casting crew. I think this is really well done, and I am really enjoying it. All right, um, so in spite of some very obvious flaws with um, depiction of women and, um, you know, stuff like that, uh, the dub itself is actually really fun. It, um, I'm actually, despite the fact that I don't have Adult Swim anymore or Cartoon Network, uh, I'm really glad this is on Toonami for a broader audience to check out. Um, yeah, it's... The dub is solid. It's it's fun. It um it blends in really well with the animation and um yeah uh, overall great experience so far with the fourteen episodes I've seen. All right. So I overall I think that the show is a very very flawed shonen romp. Um, do I think it's as strong as its I guess spiritual predecessor Soul Eater? No. I do think the dub might. Be a tiny bit stronger. There, the Soul Eater dub has always been a point of contention for some folks. Um, I, I genuinely liked it, and one of the things I really do want to compliment is that this show has absolutely zero overlap in its main characters with Soul Eater. Like, thank you, Jesus, that this did just was like we're gonna go with this route. We're gonna go with a very similar cast. Um, so I do really appreciate that. I really think that despite the show's flaws, the dub is really worth checking out. I think that the casting on it is uh, rather creative. I think that it really is going to introduce the mass mass audience to a lot of actors who we might be a little bit more familiar with, but they aren't. Overall, I can't... I don't think that the effort on this is lackluster or anything. I think it burns bright, and it's, it's a very solid dub. Uh, for the sake of time, if you want to check out Fire Force, you can check out the sub on Crunchyroll, and you can check out the dub on Funimation. Uh, as of the time of this recording, home video is not anything planned for the f uh, upcoming future as of, I think, up to February of next year. Uh, anyway, if you would like to follow us, you can follow Noah at Noah Clue. He also has a YouTube channel that he uses sometimes called Journey Traveler. If you'd like to follow Almondula, you can follow him at Almondula, uh, US where he can give you dusty old songs and stuff. If you'd like to follow Roots, you can follow him at Roots of Justice. He posts pug pics, shit posts. Uh, he also has a blog that he's working on and might be writing for the fandom post again. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at QueenR2. I shit post and probably post a lot of Switch pictures of my Pokemon Shield playthrough where my character is literally a, de a void-eyed demon lady. Um... If you'd like to support us uh, and you would like to do it for one time, you can support us with buying us a coffee. If you'd like to support us on the regular, you can do that via Patreon. And if you become one of our uh, $10 patrons, you can enter into our raffle, our quarterly raffle to get to potentially pick an episode that we do. All right. So we have our $5 tier. 
I know it's midnight. Uh, so we have our $5 patrons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, Butt with Yowie Hands, and our $10 tier, Carly Lestacow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marco Bermudez, Marissa Lenti, and Weeby. Uh, Amon, very quickly, Dusty Old Song. Yes, uh, this is a hard one because fire is like the third most written topic in the entirety of popular <laughs> music. I was originally going to suggest the song Fire in the Forest by David Cillian because I like that one, but I'm still annoyed by the whole Firestarter thing, so no, the Dusty Old song is Firestarter by the Prodigy because the Prodigy <laughs> rule! Yes! <laughs> we also have a, dis- a Dusty Old song by our friend Jamal when he suggests Disco Inferno. That's also With a that good being one. said, everybody say goodnight. Fire on. Rock on Boston, rock on Cleveland. Say goodnight, Don't children. This was a weird episode. Thank you all for joining us. Aloha. And Good night everybody. And next up on the Dub Talk channel, how to cook how to cook your toddlers. <laughs> Good night. Todo can